Alright, how's everybody doing? Welcome back to You Don't Know Ball, episode 65. Back with y'all, day after Christmas. Merry Christmas. Glad to be back with y'all. Messed up the schedule a little bit again this week, but you know, after this, we're right back on track. There ain't no more holidays coming up. None of that. We're chilling. We're here. And you know, more importantly, just another week where I think you can say it just it got even crazier. Like it's ridiculous. I, I I don't know how I can keep saying it's getting crazier. I don't think anybody expected the Monday night game to be so out of hand. Um, Baltimore really came in and I not going to lie. Like I wanted Baltimore to win, but deep down I was like, I don't know with the way the 49ers are playing. Like there's no shot that the Ravens come in here and do what they did. And, and they did. And I think that gives people a lot more confidence in the Ravens competing in the playoffs because obviously what Lamar hasn't won a playoff game yet. Right. No, so it's crazy. I mean, I think this gives them, you know, a little bit more confidence in people, a little bit more belief in the Ravens. Um, another team that is making waves. And I don't think a lot of people expected them to be here is the Los Angeles Rams. So we have Nola at Los Angeles on Thursday night. Let me ask you this. Can the Rams make it back to the NFC championship? As of right now, I mean, so I'm glad you, you, you led with this because I was this is one of the main things I want to talk about. I have a few other things about the Rams I want to bring up. But so for starters, I want to remind everybody, let me get the exact number of weeks here because you know me, I'm always bad with short math. It's the ADD in me trying to remember these things. But so three weeks ago, you know, the Rams took the uh, Ravens to overtime and it was a great game. And you maybe ask yourself, is this fluke? No, it's becoming very, very clear. The reality is, is that the Rams started off very much not on the right foot. Was it staff, the combination of like staff going through the thing with like the arthritis and then that the running back room still wasn't really set and the receiving, you know, the receiving core was kind of still trying to find a way to mesh all together. I would say more than anything. Yeah. And these young defenders like Kobe Turner, Byron Young, they had to get a little bit of reps in with AD. They had to really get the flow going with the D line. Feels like right now this Rams team can compete with anybody in the NFC. I actually have zero doubt about that. It's just a matter of showing up that given day. But I can completely see the Rams in an NFC championship again this season. Those like the Rams and kind of like how the Packers are playing. I know we'll get into their game more. They only beat the Panthers by three, but these are teams that as you get later into the season, even if they're around 500, you know, in the hunt for the playoffs, those are teams that let's say a Dallas or a Philadelphia doesn't want to play early on because they know that even though they have the better record, these guys are playing for I don't want to say more, but almost like more with a chip on their shoulder where they want to prove that they're meant to be here and they can compete with the best. Because honestly, with the way the 49ers played last night, not saying this would ever happen in the playoffs, but, you know, with McVay and the connection to Shanahan, I mean, I'm going to say nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, the 49ers are beating the Rams. But the Rams have an actual shot. Well, and as we know, the whole thing is, and we know the you know the running joke where Shani has his has uh, McVay's number, right? But except for the one time that McVay needed that, and they won, and they went onto the bull and won it. So could this be a repeat of that this year? I so that that would be crazy because in my my opinion, like like I said with the Rams, it's just like the way they've been playing, the way Stafford has been playing. Stafford's been playing like one of the. Best quarterbacks in the league last these last couple weeks, weeks. 14 touchdowns and one interception. And I don't, I don't, it's not even just the numbers that do it justice. He is like the throws that he's making. It's like, uh, 
what got into you? Like, not that I know he can do this, but from compared to what he was doing early on in the year, he's out here. He's just, he's lighting it up. He's, he's pulling out the sidearms again. He's pulling out the no looks again. He said, you know what? Wait a minute. I forgot who I am, man. I'm staff. Fuck this. I'm out here dotting you guys up. I'm gonna go back to that Super Bowl form. And about halfway through this year, he flipped a switch and Stafford remind everybody who he is. I think also like having Kyron Williams being able to establish the run game and then Puka obviously being that rookie, that superstar rookie and Cooper Cup, like they're surrounded by so many pieces. And when you have like an offensive genius like a Sean McVay, it's almost like anything is possible. Les Snead has shown that he can build a team without draft picks, which is very crucial in these Rams um, being able to compete. I mean, I think we know what the Rams are at this point. The fact that nobody knows what they are um, from a week to week basis and that they can compete with the best teams. Now, that is quite the kind of similar with the Saints, where it's like you don't know what you're getting every week, but usually it's a little bit more of a bust than a boom. And, no, and the thing is, the Saints record is very misleading. Like, And if you ask any Saints fan, the thing is, it would seem that way, like looking at them. But the reality is, in my opinion, all it's been is that the Saints are slightly better than the bad teams that they play. And then whenever they have to play a good team, you see what happens. They don't show up and it is unmotivated garbage. That's the worst part about the Saints is that I have always had faith in the roster. It's the leadership on the roster that does not produce, a.k.a. the coaching staff. And that's, I'm not going to harp on it any longer. All I'm going to say is, is we went into the week with about a 50 plus. 50% plus chance to make the playoffs, rounded up. Well, now we're down to about a 12% chance. And if you're asking me as a Saints fan, and every Saints fan would agree, at this point, no, don't even, there's no point making the playoffs. We'd get our ass kicked on national TV. And I'm much more likely that if we don't make it, at least we maybe make some kind of change. But I'm going to be honest with you, that Southern ownership, the way that they try to operate things with all this continuity and garbage down there, it doesn't even get you much hope regardless. And every Saints fan would tell you the same thing. The Saints, for whatever reason, are so gosh darn like adamant on like that everything has to stay the same year to year and continuity continuity this is a changing era i know that shit might have used to work but you can look at it for organizations like the patriots you can look at organizations like the steelers sometimes continuity is not is not working like it used to anymore you got to have guys in there that are ready to go and the reality is if you're not doing your job you got to get the fuck out and i'm sorry and it's like if, if as a saints fan if we go another year with this coaching regime i might have to take a year off watching i'm cool. joking but I mean, it's going to be, I, I will be enraged. I think the issue too is like the Saints have continually kicked the can down the road to compete with this core. And I don't think it's really turning out how they wanted. The The guys that they're kicking the can uh, down the road for are getting older as well. And let's just say, I guess my opinion is, or my question to you is, let's say the Saints lose out and they finish at, what would that, 7 and 10? Yeah, yeah that'd be a, we'd be 7 and 10. 7 and 10. If you have a top 10 pick, what position are you targeting to try to fix this? Oh, well, in my, here's my thing. Because there's another thing I want to talk about where it's not getting talked about enough at all. Like, yes, is Derek Carr not the guy, in my opinion? And are we going to have to move on from Carr eventually? Like, oh, absolutely. Best thing is where it's not an easy rebuild for the Saints at this point, because like you said, we're getting older. We're going to have to rehash things out with other, even with the guys we already have that are good. We're going to have to refill those positions. But if you ask me where I'm starting, Again, back to what, what worked with Drew. We've been getting away from it over these last few years. And it makes no sense. Let's make sure that we have an O-Pro O-Line. Right now, the O-Line is playing like garbage. And it's not getting, like, it's like not talked about not at all because the Saints are just not a very big market. I don't know, whatever the reason. Every And every media analyst just wants to say, like, how much car sucks this year. Look, I'll tell you how much car sucks, too. But I'm also going to tell you that that O-Line is arguably worse than car. <laughs> Nobody can do anything back to the Ronald McDonald analogy. 
throw Ryan McDowell or Prime Tom back there, it's still it's not going to look great because nobody's going to have time. That our line is terrible this year. The in, especially the interior is a mess. Just come on through, come on through. It's a joke. Nobody. So Derek Carr has no time, and he's a terrible decision maker. <laughs> I'm saying, give give me the a Ronald line. McDonald line. <laughs> We're gonna That's keep, the thing. I'm gonna keep bringing it back. Like any team that has a bad O line. Ronald McDonald couldn't even succeed. He could, could could succeed he, past there. It would look the same. It would because, look the same. Because it, it, it's just a joke. It, that And it really is. Where I'll be the one to start the narrative, the Saints O-line is one of the worst in the league, and it needs to be upgraded. See, the only positive thing I really have about the Saints is, I mean, really, I think it actually is the only positive note. At least Olave, Joan, Michael Thomas, and Marquise Colson is the only Saints receivers with 1,000-plus receiving yards in their first two seasons. That's awesome. like the quietest but like, ever. It's but that, it's like I, look, I feel like I didn't hear about most, it at all. That's the problem is because a lot of these yards were like garbage time. Like yeah. the Saints offense and the Saints this year have just been so lethargic. It's just, and not Olave still is a great receiver. He is. I'll tell you firsthand. I, he's a very talented guy. But and Saints fans still agree. He definitely still has a lot of growth to do. It's yeah. not like he's an all pro level or anything yet. He definitely still got some growth to do. But you definitely got to love the trajectory we're seeing. Mine is Chris and a few uh, a few other bright spots this year. I got nothing to say other than the Saints literally foiled what should have been their easiest year to make the playoffs in like the last decade plus. Well, that was a NFC matchup with both teams fighting for the playoffs. We can move on to an AFC matchup where we got both these teams scrapping to be into the hunt. We have Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Which of these two teams, in your opinion, is more likely to make the playoffs? And see, this is a great question because I honestly really have, do have to think about it. But it's, you know, when it's a question like this, you always got to lean like, well, more importantly, I have to ask myself, who are the next two teams that they're playing? And I do believe that I had written down here. So for the Bengals, you got the Chiefs and the Browns up next. Yeah. And then for the Steelers, you got the Seahawks and the Ravens. I think either way, that's not, it's, it's pretty daunting across both of them. I think what I'm going to say is though, this is my final thought. I can very much see the Bengals losing both of those next two. I see the Steelers at least got a shot, good shot at one of these. Some way, somehow, you may be the Ravens resting their starters if that if that if that can work out. I don't really even know how that. I don't think if that's they even, clinch the one. So because yeah. that would, a lot of things would have to happen next week, if I'm not mistaken. Let's say that that happens. Just maybe. I, I think that for that reason alone, and again, I'm going to lean with the coach that I have more faith in. Not that Zach Taylor hasn't shown a lot of these past few years because he has, but I still got to go with Tomlin. Got to go with Steelers. And if Mason Rudolph can keep that hot streak going, just for a little bit longer that he that he might have just started this past week, I feel like just knowing what the Steelers have been, what Steelers do, I I don't know. It's just more of a gut feeling, but I'm going to lean Steelers. And, okay. and it's like, and they got TJ. You got you got guys like Minka. It's like, I don't know. I just feel like I'd be wrong counting them out versus as much as we love the Jake Browning show. I don't know. I feel like this might be one of those weeks where it shows how volatile it can be. Okay, so let's start with the Steelers then. Did you expect them to put up 34 points on the Bengals? Because not to say that the Bengals defense is like all world, but I mean, versus a Mason Rudolph led offense, I thought they would have been a little bit more competitive. No, I think all it does, and it, this just reemphasizes what we already knew about the league. And uh, for whatever reason, it gets glazed over all the time, but it's true. Like we say, it's a slow league. Even when you're someone who, who like they have tape on like a Mason Rudolph. You sneak in, you know, you, you fall behind the scenes for a while. Like people kind of forget about you. And you come back out, nobody has your tendencies. And even if you newer tendencies you have, it's like, I feel like this was another prime example of like, it's kind of sometimes the advantage when you don't have any tape that season. Like it, this was maybe, was this more the result of Mason or was this the result of not being able to prepare 
for what this offense was going to be. So it's like, I don't think they could have prepared for what George Pickens did either. Th- well, that's very true also. So it's like, and that, more than anything, I think if, if you're George Pickens, you're lobbying for Mason to finish the year as the QB because it's like you finally have a connection with one of your guys. Well, I believe Kenny's not coming back next week. So, yeah. So at, th- at this rate, it, man, that raises an interesting question. Let's say that the Steelers do go on a two game win streak here and make the playoffs. I mean, do you take do you take the keys away from the guy who's running it hot with Mason and give him back to Kenny? I mean, interesting situation. I think you can see how George was feeling with Kenny, and I mean, we've been saying all year, it's, George is one of those guys who wears, he wears the heart on the sleeve. I mean, it's pretty obvious he's not a fan of the situation with that Steelers offense, anything before last week. And he said, I, too, I want to include his quote. He said, all I'm, all I'm here to do is win. It's like, hey, all I'm going to say is after last week, if, if Mason can keep this up, I think he's your best shot to win. I think that's what Mike Tomlin is looking at, too, because the reality is, if he loses these next two games, this is his first year under 500. And while that is very impressive and like I'm not trying to take that away I think it just kind of sets like you're stepping into an area you've never stepped into before with Tomlin and not to say that it'll have any like super aggressive effects but like you see how things are in the NFL like when things to start not going well it can spiral very fast and it's like I think Tomlin wants to avoid that as quick as he can i mean look at belichick we're talking about job security this is someone who brought six super bowls to a team in the last 20 years like things around the Tomlin situation are starting to feel a little bit weird yeah and you saw a thing where ryan clark went on the show on one of the espn shows i saw a little snippet on uh, twitter and he was saying look you know and this is like someone who won super bowls with the man play with the man pro bowls under the man he was like look i think he should get out my thing is when someone who i know has a clo- that close of relationship at least at, at some point with the man makes you think like does part of him know or does part of, is this, is this, does this, this maybe, would it be best for, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. For, does Tomlin feel that maybe another spot would be, a fresh start would be good? Obviously, none of this is going to be public information, but you get what I'm saying. I'm just raising questions. Like, just maybe, is is it feeling like if they don't make the playoffs, Tomlin's out? Like, is there a feeling in the building? Is there a feeling, is he creating it? It's, it's a weird I feel situation, like, I feel like, going all around. I don't feel rumors, like they'd fire him and i don't think he'd quit i feel like it'd be one of those situations where like we're mutually parting ways basically the saints did yeah i i don't think anyone like wants to like oh i hate it here or like oh this the ownership or is so bad i really think it has to do with more just like you know what maybe we just need because if you think about it when he won the super bowl with ben like that roster was kind of already there oh no that's one of the things i think you know that Steelers fans always bring up where it, it pretty much not not all the way, but very much it was already the baseline of the team. Everything you needed was already there. So, but I think regardless, you you always got to give Mike his credit. Like Mike's proved he's a great coach, and that's the thing is maybe just maybe is that, to your point is this is the best next situation for him to find that next type of situation where things are kind of already in place, but the coach just isn't there, and you got a guy like Mike who brings the discipline, brings the fire, brings the enthusiasm, gets guys wanting to play and knowing that if they don't have their shit together, they're not going to be getting minutes. Sometimes it just maybe. I think obviously, if you're asking me, and I've already stated, if I'm the Steelers, I'm keeping him. But it's just it's just the point I'm raising because it's definitely going to be something that's going to be rumbling this offseason because it's already started. So let's move over to the Bengals. Um, a bright spot, obviously, like Jake Browning. Like everyone, I, I saw a lot of people shitting on Jake Browning. Yes, he had three interceptions, but he still threw for three thirty-five. Like 
this is a backup who's played how many games? Like, uh, let's see. He's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Not bad. He's thrown for 300 three times. So almost basically 50% because I'm going to take out the Cleveland game. So six games, three games. He's thrown for over 300 yards. Like really can't complain from a backup with that. T Higgins showed out, obviously. I mean, he's looking like a wide receiver one. He's going to get picked. Well, he's going to get franchised. It's it's going to be a weird situation because could he be one of those guys that says he could? He could just say, I'm not going to play on that, right? Force the hand. He could, but I could also see like a, like a team like the Panthers. <laughs> I don't know, just offering whatever they have left for him. No, oh, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Where it's like, if you're, if you're T Higgins, you're putting yourself in a great situation regardless because you know you're getting paid. And you're going to be getting paid top money to potentially just be able to say, I'm just I'm just chilling this year. Yeah. I mean, because if, if they're if they going to do that to you and you've made it clear that you want to hit the market, we know how this goes. It's, that's a volatile situation every single time. Yeah. It's definitely going to be something to keep our eye on. But yeah, the, after that slow start, I'm glad to see T back on track. Yeah, I. He had like a crazy ass play last week that I forgot who did. Someone did something similar that week, but it's just like it just shows off all that he can do. Um like you were saying earlier, you know, up against the Chiefs and Browns these next two weeks, the likelihood of them making the playoffs or doing that. And that's how I kind of feel about both these teams. Like, I feel more confident in the Steelers being able to steal a game just because of their defense in the playoffs. But both these teams are going to have a really rough time. Um, very low chances, 17% for the Bengals and 14% for the Steelers. We'll go into our next game. And with a team that has been struggling to really prove themselves as a Super Bowl contender, Buffalo at the Los Angeles Chargers are the Browns real Super Bowl contenders. Wait, you mean the Bills? The Bills. <laughs> I, was the like, Bills I was like, wait, wait, real you... Super Bowl contenders. I, it's like, I, I'm speechless because it, as I've written, it's like, you you want that? I want them to be like, you know, I would have no like the Bills are one of those franchises, much like the Browns. It's like, you know, you, you, lovable. I don't even want to call them lovable losers. Oh, but you I gotta, don't know if the Browns are lovable anymore. Yeah, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, it's like, I you, 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 it, exactly, exactly. That's hilarious. But it's like, you know what? You guys have not done anything so long. I would have no problem seeing it. But like when you see games like this, it just doesn't feel it, it, it feels unserious. And that's how this team has felt all year. And like we say, the reality is you got to go on a four, especially for the Bills. You're gonna have to go four in a row. Do I? If basically, if you'd ask me, do I have faith in the Bills to play elite four games in a row? Absolutely not. So I think that's the that's the real problem. It's like, do I have faith the Bills could beat anybody on any given Sunday? Oh, absolutely. But do four in a row? No. And it's like that's the problem. I mean, I guess my thing is allowing 22 to the Chargers and barely winning like and they looked like it just was a garbage game like the, and we talk I talk much about like with the Saints with uh motivation like how much they how do how motivated does the team look the Bills very much fit in that category to me where it's just like one week they're like yeah and then the next week it's like oh we had to play this week like I'm much rather just be at home on the jet ski it's like <laughs> it's like no interest like that's how the Bills feel like every other week it's just a disinterested team, and it's just the worst thing to be watching when it's a team full of talent. I think also something is like Stefan Diggs honestly hasn't been like whether it's him, whether it's the play calling, whatever it is, he has not really had that great of games. I mean, like in his last five games, the highest he's had is 74 yards, and he's only had one touchdown in that span. Highest is 
uh, six catches, three with four and one with five. Gabe Davis has really come on as of late. It, that's the thing. I want to talk about with Gabe. Where it, so the first thing was Stefan. So you're telling wait, you're telling me that if you cause a bunch of internal issues and make guys' emotions like go up and down like a roller coaster, it just might have an effect on the way that everyone around you plays. Oh, I really shocked. Like, I honestly really wonder if Diggs had like any role in like them firing their offensive coordinator. That's that's what it's. I never even thought about it till you just said it. But it does, it's I. very interesting where it's like you have to ask yourself with Stefan, like are part of the reasons that things are the way they're with him, John, like are part of this maybe just maybe because you make a scene like multiple times a year. I'm just going to raise the question, but then over to Gabe Davis. So he, there's not anyone in football like Gabe Davis. Listen to this. Okay. Over the last seven weeks, you're not going to believe this, but four games with zero catches and zero receptions. And over those games, he was only targeted five total times. But then he has two games in that span of 100 plus yards. Is there any is there anyone in football like Gabe Davis? I and how, why and how and why does that happen? I think he's just like the biggest. I literally lost fantasy playoffs this week because I did not play Gabe Davis, and it's like he's just someone I never feel comfortable actually playing. Never. I I just don't know like what he's supposed to do. Like, there's multiple weeks. Where there's there's four weeks this year where he'll have zero yards, or no, over the last Three. seven where he no, yeah, he has four over the last seven with zero catches, zero like zero receptions, and even then, like I said, like the targets, five targets over four games where your health shut out. I mean, it's like then he'll have two games where he has twelve targets and nine catches, and it's like what the what the fuck? Like no, it may, that's what I'm saying. It makes zero sense because even if you're getting no separation. You don't go from getting in no separation to getting separated 12 times. Like, there, something doesn't make sense about the Bills' offense. And I'm sorry, some way, somehow to me, in a weird way, it has to come back to the Diggs thing. Because you it's, think, okay. But like, because the Bills' offense didn't used to be like this, did it? I mean, it was like, I feel like it used to have a cohesion. Like, Stefan was number one, Gabe was number two behind him. And yes, he would have frustrating days, but it was never like this. Also, and now it's like Stefan and Gabe are both frustrating. And everyone else is kind of eating outside of them, but it still is a weird thing. And then James Cook's evolution has definitely really, really helped the Bills. But it's helped, but it doesn't it feel like kind of weird? This, the whole offense has it, it. It doesn't really have much of a rhythm. And and the thing is, where especially if Josh isn't on superhero mode, then it really doesn't feel like it has much of a rhythm. Right. Like, that's where again back to the Ken Dorsey thing. If you're a Bills fan, it's like, oh yeah, firing Ken Dorsey. That was definitely what it goes back to. But in reality, the offense was good before. It was good before. Good before Dorsey fired. Good after. I mean. The Bills just are, are a weird situation. Yeah, I I just, there's one of those teams that, like I said, like kind of like a Rams where they can beat anybody, but I almost have less confidence in them. But I think obviously their ceiling is higher than a team like the Rams. Um, going over to the other side, the Chargers. I mean, I don't know, like, I don't even really know what to say. No, that, that all literally all I had for the Chargers was like, yeah, it's we knew what the Chargers were, like the season's over. I guess it must be nice for them to be able to see that without Staley, you actually did still go, believe it or not, you still had a competitive roster. You know, it was the Staley effect holding it back. It's got to at least make you feel good. You're like, hold on, we got some fighters on their roster. I got some guys that are ready to play a ball. It's just that Staley effect was holding them back. Like, so that's got to feel good. So here's something that, uh, kind of scary for them um the chargers are negative 
I believe I heard 47. I'm seeing 34 right now. Negative 34 million dollars over the cap next year. You know, it's a great thing you brought up because and it's very real that Joey Bosa and Mike Williams may not be on the team next year. How, you know what I was going to ask? Well, let's just let's just lead right into it. What's the next start for the Chargers this offseason besides the new staff? I mean, because there are so many different ways you can go with this. They have. Let me see. They have on salary on their cap number. Um, let me see. I'm trying to see for 24. Okay. So. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa all are making $32 million or more next year. Oh. See, and that's crazy where you wouldn't, it's like saying it out loud sounds ridiculous, but very realistically is cutting Khalil Mack. Like, would you rather it, cut Mack or Bosa? And that's where, where it's like, we, we see what, what Mack's doing this year, but we always go back to the whole thing of and with windows. Like, is he fitting your Super Bowl window? Realistically, I, is Khalil the type of guy who just maybe could go like to like Justin Houston? When he's like 38, 39, still be putting up like 10 sacks. But I, I maybe, but like you're not going to bank on it if you're a GM. I like, think your argument could be, though, is like with the right coach, this roster is not super far away. So it's like, what do you do? Because originally I was thinking like, OK, let's try to get what we can from these guys for these guys, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, maybe from like contenders, like even if it's a mix of like second to fifth round picks is something. But at the same time, it's like <sighs> Keenan out, like Keenan Allen has how many years left. And then once that happens, it's kind of like, so he's under contract until 2024. So he's got one more year. Your number one receiver is Josh Palmer or Quentin Johnson at that point. If you get rid of Mike Williams. So it's just, I feel like it's a very confusing path to navigate for chargers fans at this point. I, I would be on the side of like where it's almost kind of like, it almost feels like it's like the chargers are in a weird alternate reality version of the saints where they have the QB, but then a lot of the things it's like, they still are missing where it's like, but by the time that you try to push this roster to its max, it's almost like it's better to just scrap down now, bite the bullet now and reload, especially to your point with that receiving core. Like what, if you're going to give Keenan another contract after this one, like, is it worth it with how much that, and yes, I know this year has been a little bit of an anomaly out there much more, but where it's like, we know how Keenan's health is. And then we know how Mike's health is. That was another thing I was going to say. It's like, is Mike, Mike's trade value at this point, with how much he's out there, he's very talented, but like teams are probably not gonna be willing to shell out more than like he, he'd a be third a, or a fourth. He'd be a good like addition to the Chiefs receiver room, just a reliable so guy. Only one, it's literally what I was just thinking of the only team I could even think of that would even be willing to shell out like a third or a fourth because it's a thing, it's just volatile. Like you're thinking at that point, I, I could get me a guy who's at least gonna play 16, 17 a year. Where with Mike, you're counting on like for me, it's like 10, 11. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. counting on that. And if you can get more of that, it's amazing. Like it's, it's unfortunate to say, but so yeah, I mean. Chargers are definitely in. Uh, they're in Bleakville, Bleakville, along with Saints fans. Bleak Town. Yeah, they're dire in Bleak Town. Let's move over to a shocker. I had zero guess that this is how this game would play out. We have Indiana in Indiana. I stay saying Indiana. Indianapolis at Atlanta. What do you think the Falcons should do at quarterback after this year? It's a very interesting question. But I feel like I'm probably leaning like something in the draft because okay. this is a it's a weird year where you might be able to really get a guy you have a lot of faith in long term towards the back end of the first round. Okay. So I feel like 
And at that, Falcons may probably be at the back end, but you got to saying mid to back end. They could somehow sweep, sweep out the playoffs here that it would be back end. But if not middle, I mean, there's probably going to be a few, couple good QBs sitting right there right around that time. I feel like that if you're the Falcons, the draft avenue is probably the way to go. But then on the same side of things, we talk, talk about like the bowl windows and it's like the, the Falcons bowl window. It's like, do you really have time to let someone develop for like three or four years with this roster right now? It's a question you're gonna have to ask yourself if you're Arthur Blank. So you could draft a QB, which I would feel like if you want like a Jaden Daniels, you're gonna have to go move up. I feel like if you're where you're at and you want to take a quarterback first round, you could possibly trade back and get assets because like I've seen a lot of mocks where Jaden Daniels is sneaking into the top ten, where he's gonna be that QB three, and that happens every draft season. QB sneak up, but then in reality, they might not. I mean, we saw Will Levis go in the second. So you could draft QB. You could trade for a guy, possibly like a Justin Fields. Or another suggestion that I saw was going to get Ryan Tannehill. Arthur Smith was the reason his career was revived. And you can look at the Falcons. And I'm not saying the Falcons are a Ryan Tannehill away from competing. They might not even make the playoffs. But you can make the argument that with just decent quarterback play, this team can win your division. Without a doubt, that's why we've been. That's why we said all year from the beginning of the year. That, that's why if you're a Falcons fan, you're so disappointed. Falcons and Saints were pretty much shaking hands on that feeling of like, <laughs> okay, we finally have a good, like a good roster. Like, and and our division sucks. Like, right. there's no excuse not to go do something this year. It's, it's the same thing. Where, yeah, and it, and I think my thing with that though is I agree that it would definitely be an upgrade over now. I just feel like that doesn't feel like super serious. Like it feels more like back to the whole thing of moral victories. It's like, ah, it's just an upgrade over now. Right. But it's like, are we going to Lombardi land with him? Probably not. It's just something you could sell to your fan base is like, look, we can, you know, we can really do this now. Like if anything, if anything, I'll say as a saints fan, go, go get yourself tan Hill. Cause I'd be comfortable then knowing that the Falcons aren't going to Lombardi land. (laughs) That's how it felt with me when, uh, the bears almost like they, when they got Andy Dalton, and yeah. I was just like, okay, well, so like, this is it. Yeah, no, but like you, yeah, yeah, I know the Eddie Dalton feeling too. So yeah, it'd be a prime example. It's just enough to compete in there and maybe compete to the playoffs, but back to Lombardi land. If you're not giving me a ticket to Lombardi land, I do not want you. So Kyle Pitts has been stepping up two touchdowns the last three weeks. Do you think he's finally going to be coming back? We've been waiting on this since his rookie year. I'm going to, I'll keep saying it. It's on our, it's on Art Smith. If Art is gonna, if Art dials up, keeps dialing up for this man, I have no doubt about it. If we want to keep using him as a decoy, Art, we're gonna keep getting decoy results. Let Kyle leak out, keep running more of these boots. Let him you sneak, let's sneak, sneak over and up. We need it. We need this at least. We need at least one of those a game. Fuck that. I need at least five of those a game. That keep dialing up the boots. Keep getting K pits long, especially on condensed type of formations where if you're playing like a four three, a three four, and you got linebackers on the field. Man, Art, get Kyle deep, bro. Get him deep. There's nobody covering him that's not a, a tall, big box safety at this point. And it, like I've said, there's a very few guys in the league kind of that are in that mold that can even really cover Kyle Pitts. Like, he's the most malpractice player in the whole league, and I'll keep saying it. Do you think that the um, Falcons should have just stuck with Heineke and they would have been better off? So, yeah, it was one. Of, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my notes that I had, it, I, let's be honest. Would you say the biggest fault of this season? That's why why you would say Art Smith is on the hot seat is that he put more faith in Desmond Ritter than Taylor Heineke. Because again, we knew what Taylor is. Like, is, again, is Taylor taking you to Lombardi land? 
No. But with the what they were this year and what we knew that Desmond was and what we know Taylor is, at least Taylor gives you the fun and it gave you a pretty, I feel like a pretty fair shot to make the playoffs. If, I, and if you it started from the start to finish, it's like now on a late game or just in when you have a game in control, I would much rather trust Heineke just because like, yes, he's a little bit more uh, of a gunslinger, I would say, than Desmond Ritter. But Ritter just when Ritter makes those mistakes, it's just a, it's almost just like you grab your head. You're like, oh, what are you doing? Like because when Heineke his, fucks up, it's like, OK, well, it's like a Jameis interception where it's like, at least you were going deep with it. It makes you think when I when I when I watch Desmond, I think to myself, it's the only thought that goes through my head. He's thinking too much. That's the yeah. worst thing when you're the worst trait to have out there, unfortunately, is like you're you're doing less doing more thinking. His his mistakes feel like it's because he's thinking too much. Not enough doing more thinking. Reverse that, and Desmond Ritter might look like a good player, but he's just out there thinking too much. Right. Yeah, I don't know. The Falcons, um, they have a 12% chance now to make the playoffs. They are currently seven and eight. Looking at their division, you have them in front of the seven and eight Saints and then behind the eight and seven Buccaneers. So obviously there is a lot of fluctuation that can happen in the NFC South, but the Falcons making the playoffs just does not seem very likely. Um, obviously, this offseason can be big for them, depending on if they keep Art Smith or not. Um, obviously, there were some comments made that he might be around regardless of the result of the season. But as of late, it feels like that's changed. And I think a reason that it's been kept around that he has been kept around is obviously like I think that defense is a lot of the reason they're competing. And if the defense wasn't as good as it was and Art Smith is calling the offense, I don't think if he I don't think he's here. No, not at all. The last note I really want to touch on was that, yeah, we had to give him a shout out. Zach Harrison, you know, rookie last two weeks, three weeks, or last two weeks, he's had three sacks. He's had three all season. Breakout incoming. Breakout incoming. The, 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 the Falcons defense has really been like a very not talked about high point for them. Like no one discusses the Falcons defense. It's the only reason they're staying in games. Oh, it is. And Jesse Bates is the MVP of that defense. MV, or I said MVP season incoming. Uh, all pro season incoming. Not MVP yet, Jesse. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but we definitely get it all pro this year. And you got to love it if you're a Falcons fan. Moving over to the other side, we have the Colts who are 55% chance right now to make the playoffs. Um, they have the Raiders and Texans up next. But honestly, I'm very frustrated with the Colts because this just felt like a game that they should have had in the bag easily. And this, this, oh, this, and and for my narrative, if you if they won this one, I feel like this might have this might have been the one where you really, especially with the other win after this week, you could have really locked up that Shane Steichen coach of the year. Um, like a shaky on that. And again, fifty five percent. I don't know. It just that feels higher than it should be too with how everything around the AFC is going right now. I get it's because you get the Raiders and Texans up next, but. It's just, this was, uh, and Colts fans would agree, this was one of the most disappointing games all year for any team, especially when you had a chance to basically not lock up, but almost lock up playoff spot. Yeah, this, against the Ritter Falcons, it's all I can, that's all I can say. Yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. Jonathan Taylor has been um, hot recently, four touchdowns the last three weeks, five all season, but the offense, the passing game just, wasn't existent without Pittman. If anything, Michael Pittman's making his case for MVP after this game. I'm saying it as it part jokingly, but also, I mean, like, being let's be serious for a sec. This man is the most valuable player of this offense. 
to this Michael offense, Pittman's? no doubt about it. Yeah, and Michael Pittman's not out here. It's a completely different. Not offense. to say he's better than JT, but it's like without like their top receiver. That I mean, like Kyle Granson and Will Mallory were their two leading receivers. That just can't like it can't happen, especially when you're playing with your backup no, quarterback. Pittman takes so much attention away from everyone else that it were it's a it's a good cohesive unit. But then when he's not out there, you see what happens where you got to go to the big boys a little more often. No one else getting separation. Not a good recipe. Another bird team. We got the Falcons to the Seahawks. We have Seattle at Tennessee. Do you believe that the Seahawks could make it past the first round if they make the playoffs? Realistically, especially this year, and just, just, just as of right now, I don't believe so because it's still the same identity that they've been all year. Like the young defense, that when they're firing on all cylinders, they're they're really firing on all cylinders. And it's same with the offense isn't young, but with the offense, same kind of vibe where when they're firing on all cylinders, like, yeah, they're firing. But it's like, I, I just, I don't think that they're going to be able to fire hotter than the team that they're going to face, whoever it is in the <laughs> yeah. first week of the NFC playoffs. And that's the thing too, it's like, because the Yawks have had good games against good opponents this year. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It, and don't get me wrong. It's possible right I now. The Seahawks would play the Lions, which would actually be a great matchup. Oh, well, that would be exactly a fun little rematch. But again, especially with what happened the first time, I feel like the Lions would be a little bit, you know, hopefully the Lions would be hope. ready for revenge. No matter who they that would faced. be such a Lions thing, though, to do. Oh, uh, become the two seed and lose to the seventh. Certainly would be. But and that's so if you get the Lions, that'd be best case scenario. I, I'm just from an objective standpoint. No, I don't believe it. But like it could happen. It, it, it certainly could happen. Okay. Okay. So 69% chance to make the playoffs now. JSN has been, I think we're finally seeing that little rookie jump from him. Um, the Seahawks defense has been heating up. The Seahawks. Have, here's my thing. This is why this is why I can never believe in the Seahawks. It just feels like every game with them is tight. No, it, so it, what you're saying is they feel like last year's Viking. Yeah, where no matter Actually, what, yeah, they it's do. way too. Volatile. They do a lot. Like win or lose, it's like you don't believe in them to really go on a run. Geno Smith is like playing all right. I don't think he's playing as good as he was last year. Um, no, and it's like I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of questions still surrounding the Seahawks because like they made the playoffs last year. So my thing is like if they do. If they don't, let's say they miss the playoffs this year. Like, what changes for Seattle? That, like, and that's the thing is, like, I feel like it's a hard answer. I, I don't really know what you change. I mean, obviously QB, but that, well, that's the like, you know what it what feels like what would have been the best case scenario is it's really like the Lions did what the Seahawks needed to do, like taking a guy like Hendon. Being like, look, we don't know when it's going to happen, if it's even going to happen on this team. But I'm getting a guy where I'm really confident in him if, if I have to throw him in here. Or when it's time, when I got to throw him in here. Why have the Seahawks not done that? Yeah, why did they? Because I don't believe they took a quarterback last year. Like, I mean, not even I, in the late round. I say, I'll I look don't, it up. I don't believe. And again, if they did, it was very late or undrafted free agent. I don't believe they did at all. I cannot for the life of me remember that. So, so again, yeah, to that point, why? Uh, have the, why do the Seahawks not seem to have like a contingency plan for what's going to happen post Gino? It's like they've literally banked all the money on Gino bringing home the Lombardi. Uh, personally, not understanding that. Yeah, they didn't. But also, like, kind of to go back at that, Dobbs, if you look at the Seahawks, like when they traded Russ, right? 
they have all these first round picks and they have whatever all, all these picks from the Broncos. My thing is you were a pick five last year. That would have been the perfect opportunity. And my thing is, if you're constantly going to be a 500 team, you're not going to get a chance at the top guys, but also like your starting quarterback is 33 years old. He's maybe a year younger or a year or two younger than Russell Wilson. If he doesn't work out, what is your plan? Drew Locke? And that's the thing is, and I want to be clear, like, did they take like an all pro type, a future all pro type of guy at that fifth slot? Like we for sure they did, but it's like realistically, and we always say like, it's like, you're going to have to pay the man in four years. And if you don't get the QB situation figured out by the time you got to pay him and all the other guys, because I talk about a guy like your unsung hero, boy, Mafe, got to pay him in three seasons, already up to nine sacks this year. Like, before you know it, the money starts to get tight. And before you know it, it's like, who's in, who's out? And the last thing you want to be doing when you're figuring out who's in and who's out is figuring out who's the guy behind center. It's just, I, personally, and I've said this, I've said it since the beginning of the tenure last year. Gino's fun, but it's it's not going to work without some type of plan behind it. And it's like, now it's starting to fall into like, it's, it's getting into bleak like, territory because... The reason you trade Russ is because, one, it's not working out, but it is, it is because you're thinking he's older at the end of his career. If you think Geno Smith, who's been a career backup, is going to get you further than Russ would, not not to say Geno wasn't running the offense better last year. He definitely was. But it just kind of feels like the plan like is kind of half-baked right now. He almost feels like there really was not much of a plan. Now, and I, they kind of just roll with the punches. Now, if they can upgrade the O-line, it's definitely an ideal situation for a young rookie quarterback to come here if he if they get better protection. But at the same time, like I said, like unless you're going to use capital to move up and get a guy, like I feel like Jane Daniels would do pretty well in Seattle. Like the supportive coaching staff, he's got some weapons, he can run around like that would be a good thing. But if you don't use that capital to go get that guy, I don't know if you're going to find the right person like like what are you going to take a Michael Penix Jr.? Yeah, like it, I feel like last year, the best case scenario, but again, when they have a guy like Spoon playing how he is now, he sounds like a jackass no matter what. Yeah. But for the longest term, I'm just saying like, you took that pick last year, moved down to the late first round. Hey, you can move up this year. Let me get that late first this year. Let me get a first, let me get your first next year or second next year. Something like that. A couple seconds. You know what I mean? I, I give myself a plan for where I'm going to take my QB. They're like I a second round QB type team. And I feel like very well could be as again, to the point of that, the fact the roster is already pretty well built, but it's like, let's get the guy back right. there sooner than later. Even if he's just learning behind like in a Jordan love role, there's nothing wrong with that. As we've seen, as the Packers have fucking showed, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong, with nothing it. wrong, which is letting him chill, but at least just do it. I don't know why that no, not the, the Seahawks and not more teams approach it like that. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Going over to the other side. I mean, this game, pretty much sealed. I mean, they were competitive, but the Titans, I think this kind of just, I feel like this puts the nail in the coffin of like what the future is for the Titans. Like there is no, in my opinion, like hope of rebuilding, like what this team was. This, this is, this is the rebuild time. And it, it, it raises a lot of interesting questions. Like we said, it raises questions about some like variable around what you do. Cause we know Levis is the guy, but then it's the point of, how are you going to keep Levis's confidence up? Well, this receiving, for now. Right. This receiving core is a mess. The offensive line, it's a mess. Oh, I thought the, the highlight of the team, and I can't even say it's, it's King Henry anymore because the King's getting old. It's like, realistically, I I, I don't know. Will Levis and uh, that it's... 
Derrick Henry, I also believe, is a free agent after this year. So, if you're King Henry, are you resigning with the Titans? I, mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I know he loves it there. I'm sure I, I get it's different in his eyes. He's one of those running backs where it's like, you know how like Josh Jacobs and Saquon work getting a deal done? Like, my thing is, I don't think teams would flinch at the chance to sign Henry. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, well, he's getting older. Like, he's such a legend that it's like the right championship team will pay him. No, for sure. And even if you just get him in the room for situations, like, are you kidding? Like, you want, it's like, we get, and the off Imagine chance. him on the Ravens. Honestly, in the off chance, all we got to do is punch it into the end zone in overtime to win the Super Bowl. So I'm just making hypotheticals. But you get what I'm saying. You want King Henry on that roster. There's no doubt about it. No. So I think that he has a, he has a home no matter what. It's just a matter of finding it. And even if it's, even if it's Tennessee again, I, I, but I would say I would lean that we will probably see King Henry in a new uniform. That would be very weird to see. That would I be mean, very weird. Obviously, I mean, you like what you see from Tajay Spears at times. Chig, you like what you see, but... I wish it was more consistent with Chig. Yeah, overall, I think you just have to kind of scrap this team and start from the start. I mean, you got Skronsky and you got Levis. And, 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 and Tajay. And I will say, Tajay, I, I do have a lot of faith in the long term. He's just not getting the touches this year. But if you're a Titans fan, you should be excited about Tajay. Yeah, no, great, great pickup in the draft from Tulane, right? Yes, sir. The roll wave over there. All right. We're going to move into a NFC North matchup. Detroit at Minnesota. What is your feeling on how far the Detroit Lions can go this year? It, It hurts me to give an honest answer on this because I don't want it to be this way. Oh, no. But they still have the hot lines in them. So don't get it twisted. I hope they prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I think they could prove me wrong. But as of right now, you're giving me terrible one and done potential two and two and done at most vibes. I hate just like it, it pains me to say this. You know me and my lines and narratives and how they've been. But like right now, it, they're not especially it's more it's much more the defense. We went from like where I think this is what I would say. The, for a while, it was kind of like the offense is going to play good most weeks. But then when the offense didn't play good, it was fine because the defense was going to like really keep the foot on the neck of the other team. But now it just these past four or five weeks do not feel like that at all. It feels like if the offense doesn't play amazing, they're screwed. And that's not and that's not a recipe for doing to do anything in the playoffs, especially I'm, when the offense is still not like firing on all cylinders. I mean, regardless of Nick Mullins throwing four interceptions, you still allowed him to throw for 411 yards. Like, this is a career backup. And the Vikings also only rushed for 17 yards. And somehow they only lost by six points. That's like this. The Lions are unfortunately slipping in. As we said last week, they're slipping into unserious territory quick. So what do you think they need to do to correct that? Or do you think there isn't correcting that? Like, you think the defense is just not what it's supposed to be to be competing? I think more than anything, the pass rush has got to wake, wake back up. I think like Aiden Hutchinson started the year really hot. He still had, had been having a good season, but I think Hutch has got to get going again. Like you, I think you got to get Hutch really, really going again. I think we want to see another, we want to see more from that interior. That's, there's not one easy answer. I think just continue to keep getting healthy, get everyone back, and but the pass rush has got to come alive for the playoffs because the pass rush I think has been really, really lacking. I think one of the frustrating things too is like all the good players for the Lions are playing well. It's just like the other players you need to step up just aren't. Like Monty, Gibbs, Goff, Amon Ra, Jameson Williams even stepping up. 
Laporta didn't have the greatest game, but you you know what you can get from him. But it's just like outside of that on the defense, like Kirby Joseph had two interceptions. But it's like outside of Aiden Hutchinson. But I mean Jack Campbell, all right. But. Even I was the, the only player that even deserved a shout out this week. But like you said, besides Kirby, was and I had to give a shout Brian out Branch. to uh, well, Brian and uh, I might butcher his name here a little bit. I'm sorry. Is it again? I'm getting used to new new guy in the scene here. But uh, Iferu Malfuanu. I, again, I that sounded close that. enough. But that sounded close enough. Look, playing really good ball after stepping into that starter role uh, over the past three weeks. Uh, two sacks and an interception this past week. Young guy. If you're a Lions fan, it's gotta be, he's definitely one of those guys that's got to be exciting for you. But we want more than exciting right now. We want faith. You want faith in, in, this, in this unit. And I feel like right now, I don't know if you have much faith in this unit. You might have some excitement about some guys, but do you have faith? And that's no. where it's weird. Is if For me, I'm just saying for me personally, I'm losing the faith. Not Again, not that they're screwed. From where we stood with them a few weeks ago, not even a few, where we stood with them six, seven weeks ago and where we stand now, it's taking a pretty steep. Uh, I feel like the Lions in this offseason need to heavily address the defense. And then obviously, I would say depth for O-line, but the defense, you have to be drafting defense over and over and over again, because it's like this team window is relatively young. But if you don't fix the defense, it's just going to be one of those teams that has to always be in a shootout. More pass rushers, more corners. Lions, you know what you need to do. All right, let's go to the Vikings. Justin Jefferson, third and 27. What the fuck? You saw that play? Yeah, no. He, he's insane. Like it's, just, it's actually, it's to the point where I just laughed at the TV. Like, that's just, it's just like, ha, ha. Like, this dude is just insane. It is even funnier when you an LSU fan, you know, as as I was. Like it's like where with like I was, I was go back to like with him and Jamar. I would have I knew we knew both of them were gonna be insane, but I didn't think that Jay Jettas was ever gonna be the guy that was like the more spectacular play kind of guy over Jamar. It's just so funny to see. I mean, the amazing, amazing development of Jettas. It's been it's just really been a treat. I mean, just out here just making insane plays. It just main thing I ha- we had on that. I think we could agree on. It's just great to not see injuries affecting the play. Yeah, I mean, I think also with the Vikings right now, they're they are at the ACs, so they're not in the playoffs and they have a 30 percent chance to make it. I think also like obviously they've had injuries this year. They've been without Jay Jettas, Kirk Cousins popped his Achilles, all that. To still be. What are they right now to still be seven and eight is pretty impressive. I, that's that's my that was my last notice. Like, despite the disappointing season, you, this you feel like there's got to be a lot to hang your hat on, right? Yeah. Like, you got Kevin O'Connell. You got your you 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 like even if Kirk, whatever the situation is with Kirk, you see that KOC can make QBs look good, even for a short time if they're not really going to be good long term. KOC is a QB whisperer, right? So you know you got that in the building. You got the be- one of the best receiving duos over the next few years. Like we've already we already were raving about last week. You got you got Hawkinson. You got to feel good about the O line. You just you got some work to do on the defense, but even with that, like hey, Daniel Hunter had a career year. Like Wanham on that D line is making is making some noise. Like you got guys making noise. You got guys developing. There's a lot you could hang your hat on if you're a Vikings fan. I don't think it as we agree. Oh, and Mackay Blackman out of nowhere out of this year, third round, one of the better corners in the league already. Like if you're a Vikings fan, you got plenty to hang your hat on. So if you if you are the Vikings GM and you're your first round pick, what what position are you targeting? Again, like like the ideal guy for the Vikings, but he's like the ideal guy for a lot of teams right now. It feels like, but Jaden Daniels. I mean, it's like if you got him on this roster. I mean, I, I, I could see them going to win nine, ten games easily next year. 
And it, and it's just uphill from there. See, so like, I'm I'm under the belief that they should re-sign Kirk for a year, and then whoever they draft for a quarterback just needs to sit for one year. Now, with, that would be even, like that'd be even better. Yeah, that's just that's just taking my plan and giving it steroids. Right. I think I think they could see a lot of success from that. No, with is, keep KOC in the building. You guys, the Vikings fans, you guys will keep seeing success. Quarterback uncertainty in Minnesota, and there's also quarterback uncertainty in Washington. We have Washington at the New York Jets. Will the commanders move on from Sam Howell? They are currently the number three pick in the draft. It's such a weird and sudden turn. It's like I'm so caught off guard saying this because if you took audio from me a few weeks ago, I'd sound ridiculous right now. I don't, but I don't think anyone saw this coming the way it did. No, that's what, this is truly, in my opinion, I mean, really, this is unprecedented to me. I never saw a guy who was basically in his rookie year go from leading the league in the in passing yards and, and being up there in touchdowns and everyone's raving about him. You got a guy. And then he just looks like a fifth string QB like three weeks in a row. And yes, I said fifth string. I know she doesn't, you get my point. It, it, he's playing like a QB that's, it, I have no words. I, I mean, it's, I've never seen, oh my God, yes. To like, what? And like to compare him to like a receiver arc, Maybe in a sense, almost like well, kind of like what we saw in Christian Watson, but at least with Watson, there's like we knew the injuries happened. It was more like you can attribute it to that. Like with Sam Howell, it's like, man, it's angering me how quickly he went from like, that's the guy to like, oh man, this guy can't play. But that's why I wanted to say my note is it's like, I want to ask you, do you think that this is just simply the result of, of him being terrified out there behind that atrocious O line? Ah, uh, see. Kind of. I also think it has to do with the fact of like, I don't want to say the line because honestly, he has a similar issue to Justin Fields where he just, he tries to play hero ball. Like he just holds on to the ball for too long. And while I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, honestly. Like, is it the enemy? Is it him? Because he was putting up like crazy numbers, and we've seen guys put up like crazy numbers, but he was doing it like game after game after game, and like he was the NFL passing leader for a little bit. It was no, it was even for a couple weeks. Like that's what I'm saying. Where th- this is, I mean, I'm gonna keep using the word. It to me personally, it is unprecedented the fall off, and I think to, to like to the point where it's like he was doing it with minimal tools around him and but then now it makes no sense because then when he's folding then Jacoby Brissett's coming in almost saving the day like what is happening I I would like to see the commanders win another game just with because my thing is like why even put Brissett in there like you know what you're getting with him and like if you're trying to lose and get a new quarterback like it just doesn't make any sense I don't understand the move like I understand he's playing bad and like maybe this is maybe he's a quarterback where they got enough tape on him and they know how to stop him. And he just I mean, if you remember, he was supposed to be a first round pick and then he fell to the fifth the next year. So it's like maybe what everyone was seeing is like, oh, this is his downfall. Like this is his issue. Well, again, we, and we've known he's un, he's undersized. He has he's a lot of things that limit him, but he was just for so long. It was he was he was maximizing it. It has been very weird. And that's the thing is, even when I watch it on tape, I cannot pinpoint exactly what the issue is. The issue is just the main thing is regardless, though, is that the O line has always been bad, continues to be bad. I think if I had to lean towards one thing, it has to be 
he, the confidence is losing every single week and just how much time he's going to have. But it's just you, this cataclysmic drop off. It's just regardless, there's no way you can slice it up evenly. It makes it makes no sense no matter what. I see you have a note in here about Chris Rodriguez. Do you think that's something that uh, people who are B-Rob fans should be concerned about? I don't I don't think if you're a B-Rob fan, you should be concerned about it. If you're an Antonio Gibson holder or anything along those lines, I think you should be concerned about it then. Because I think what you're looking at is you're probably looking at the one-two punch next year for the commanders being B-Rob and uh, C-Rod. B-Rob, C-Rod? B-Rob, C-Rod. Hey, we stay good up the nicknames on this on this show. So I think we're, we're going to roll with that one for a okay. while here. C-Rod out the backfield. But yeah, see, that He's the bright spot for the commanders for the past five weeks. At least ever since Sam Howell fell off, you got Chris Rodriguez Jr. coming in, bringing somewhat of a smile to your guys' face. Yeah, he's uh, I like I like watching him run. He's real. There's a lot of energy in his runs. There is, and then also the last thing too about the commanders, real quick, is hey, look, Kalik, uh, yeah, Kaliki Hudson, past two weeks stepping in as a starter, twenty eight combined tackles. That's uh, definitely another bright spot. Let's, flying around there. Let's see if uh, the trend continues. Did the commanders have a sack this game? Oh. Yeah, bat- oh my goodness, how could I forget? No, yeah, pull that up we for just, me, please. We just have to discuss this before we move on to the Jets. No, because I'm that has been, oh, far and away, though. And it's like, you you, you know, you can't they attribute it to this. zero sacks. You, you, you can't really attribute it to Sam Howell. But all I'm going to say is, ever since they got their pass rushes out the building, it had a cosmic effect on everything. Because that was the day Sam Howell started to fall off. Like, <laughs> like it makes the commanders are I mean, lacking if, if sense the commanders in can't get off the field i mean like the jets put up 30 points no i'm telling you I, I i'm telling you bro i have never seen a team like the commanders in my life where there was substance on offense there was and then just like they're not the same team at all no nothing about them um going on to the jets they're, they're a weird team. two of the last three weeks 30 plus points for the offense isn't that hilarious <laughs> Brees hall is sometimes non-existent and then sometimes he reminds you why he was taken in the first round and it's just like why are you winning if you're the jets right now why i'll give you the answer because salah and them are feeling the heat but again i don't know if you saw the reports that woody johnson then came out this week or i'm sure they were but then he came out this week and reaffirmed it that Hey, look, they're, they're good. They're keeping their jobs. Everything's fine. But you, you know, everyone says, what, the, what does that really mean? It means Hayrod came in the building and said, hey, these are my guys. guys yeah. <laughs> Those are the guys. Like, I guess my thing, though, is like you're playing yourself out of elite tackle territory. No, I mean, like, but again, I get it from the perspective of like a guy like Salah and them. I He's not going to take his foot off them. He's going to make sure they're out there ready to go every single week. Yeah, but I agree. Just like the Jets can look at from the, a few years ago, like that game against the Rams. Oh, my. I mean, every year the Jets almost juiced themselves at this point. And if you're That's a Jets kind fan, of feel how it feels with New England. You, I mean, you've got it. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, you got to be tired of that, right? It's like, if we're going to suck, just suck. Like, what is with this? I mean, I'm, I'm getting mad about it. I get it with no affiliation to these fuckers. And it is that is it's making me mad. And I don't even think about it till just now. But if I was watching the Jets, I would be so livid. With what these what is what's transpiring? You're like, wait, we could have been this team, but we weren't when it mattered, and now you guys want to be this team? Yay! Round of applause. I mean, there's a realistic chance that I mean the Week 18 game, uh, New England and New York. Like at that point, you're just playing for draft stock, and it's like, who wants a low? And like that's a game to me, New England wins and completely removes themselves 
the quarterback conversation. Oh, uh, you know, you can just see Belichick like smirking himself on the sideline. And then he gets in, in the car and he's like, wait a minute. Fuck. Like, he's like, <laughs> it's going to be a it wasn't shit it. show. It, it wasn't it. It's going to be a shit show. Well, the Jets. I, wow. What what a turn of events for what? Like, I think everybody thought the season was going to be for them. It's, you, how about this? We'll say this was the game of two teams that have made no sense this year. The nonsense bowl. The nonsense bowl. Well, this, the next game, I, I got to think of what a name for this bowl would be. Probably the fucking heart attack bowl the for Packers Bears fans. Chess bowl. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> um, they, so the Packers, in my opinion, did themselves a disservice in this game. So let's go to Green Bay at Carolina. Should we expect more games like this from Bryce Young? Or do you think this was a fluke? Well, I know I've been saying, and I'll keep saying, I, I firmly believe that Bryce is in territory to be like a two or two point or like it literally like like pin it down like same situation. I came in the league, the coach wasn't it, the relationship with the, the ownership, everything was a mess, right? But they got to get hashed out with a new coach and get the right offensive coordinator, right QB coach around him. I have no doubt that Bryce that this was what Bryce could look like. Now you just got to see it consistently, right? But because Bryce is, he's a killer in that pocket. Like, if you give Bryce a pocket, killer. This is the issue is that he has barely had any pockets all year with how bad this O-line is. So, yeah, again, load up on the O-line this draft. I'm, I'm saying even first three rounds. I'm not even kidding. With, with the way the Panthers are built right now, I mean, you got a good young defense. I think, eh, like you said, Receiver, with the receiving core, yeah. but you can go, I feel like you can go different directions with that. Like, you can go trade, you can go... I'm going to spend some money on receiver. I think you really got to make sure he has time because with Bryce, if he has another year getting killed like this, not only is the confidence going down, the health's going down. There's going to be an injury. Yeah. yeah, Then he's not in that two territory. You got to at least keep him healthy. So big changes needed, but give that man a wall. If you give him time, this, you can see this more consistently than not. Yeah. He, he played decently. Well, I mean, 312 yards, two touchdowns. It took Justin Fields. How long to get 300 yards? And like, this, this is this is why like I'm not going to go into it too much, but this is why like Fields and other quarterbacks like I don't care. Like look at what Bryce Young played with, and he did that in his first year. Like I don't know. I really like the way Bryce was playing. It seemed like he finally had some bit of confidence in himself. Um, but yeah, it was a scary game. It was a scary game. I, I was real scared. No, I mean this was. It, we have to talk about. It. I mean, was this was this the Packers almost playing forty chess so, not to have to see Caleb? I mean, that that's what I was pulled thinking. The plug last second. Lafleur was like, "Fuck that! I'm not maybe lose my job before this bullshit." I was texting. I forget who I was texting, but I was like, "The Packers are secretly planning their own demise with this W." No, they they knew. They, I'm telling you, they they like they literally they almost knew what they were doing. They almost knew what they were doing. I'll say, but to uh, joke aside, Jordan Love past six weeks, thirteen touchdowns, one interception. He's getting, he's, he's like in Stafford territory with how hot he's been. Yeah, he's been playing crazy. I mean, he's third in the league. Um, he's tied third in the league for total touchdown or touchdowns, passing touchdowns. Uh, he, he's, he's cooking. And, uh, and then Aaron Jones, first 100 plus yard rushing game this season. He, obviously, Aaron Jones is getting into, I don't want to say washed territory. I feel so mean, but he's getting into the older territory. I actually feel like, honestly, I feel like this had this season had to do more with like on and off injuries than actual age. I have a feeling that next year could be one of those years where 
he just goes off and it's like, do we write off Aaron Jones too early? He's under contract one more year. No, I just the thing is I could see it too. I just no matter what, even if he has that redemption year, he's he's getting older regardless. So it's like even if he doesn't, it's understandable why it's been what it's been this year. And and that's because I almost forgot. I just got to go back to them real quick. I should have said this earlier. When we were talking about the Panthers, but back to the Panthers for one second. Uh, this was also the only the second game this year where the Panthers had two receivers to have six or more catches in the same game. DJ Shark, two touchdowns, 98 yards, six receptions. I mean, that's your number two. That's your number two to Adam Thielen. Like, this is what Bryce Hashtag is dealing with. Get Bryce some help. Yeah. Hashtag J Love becoming a beast. Hashtag fuck David Tepper. Uh, that and that's one that every Panthers fan can agree. Dude, on. I saw Bryce tweet that out. <laughs> Chuba, Chuba's a Chuba's a bright spot for them as well, though. Yeah, no, they got jokes aside. I think the Panthers' biggest issue is the man who's who's out Who here running them, the show. Yeah. Man, I don't know how Bryce has got to come up with a scheme or something. Bryce, get to thinking. Get to thinking. Get to thinking. We got faith in you. Okay, just to finish this game off, because it was a thirty-three to thirty win. Bryce Young didn't get the spike off. You don't understand like the amount of like nervousness I had in me. Like I was like, no, he didn't get it off. He didn't get it off. And because there had been missed extra points, so I wasn't confident the Packers kicker Anders Carlson was going to get the get the field goal. Um, yeah, to finish off this game, despite playoff hopes, heavily dwindling. This way, you wrote. The Packers have a 29% chance to make the playoffs. Do you think? Do you think? Because the Packers are one of those teams I could see winning a playoff game. I could, but I think like I would lean no. And I think, but and, and then to the second part of the note, more than anything, I think regardless of whether they make it or not this year, this is one of those teams that's in line to like boom out next year or bust out. They are definitely in a weird range where it's like. It's, I feel like it's one or the other where it's like they very well could be one of the best teams in the NFC or like where Packers fans are wait like going to hit there being like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We hit the drawing board and we get it when and all these things we had faith in. And if these young guys are developing, there's gonna be a lot of questions being asked. But if those young guys do develop like, man, the Packers are in an absolutely premier spot. Two games back to back that just made no sense. We have Cleveland at Houston. Are the flat are Flacco and the Browns for real? Like, are they for real? I was, I, I'm asking my buddy this week who's a Browns fan, like, genuinely, you got to ask yourself, I'd be like, how far can Joe Flacco take this Browns team? Because the Browns defense is so elite that it's like, if Joe Flacco can give you 75% four weeks in a row, they're playing with so many backups. Can the Browns, can they make a miraculous run at the bowl? I didn't say to win it. Bro, could, I think they could can. in this AFC. Like, you're telling me you can't see this defense going on a run like that and then Flacky just kind of flacking it up back there? <laughs> I can. He's it just sounds, got such and like, I'm back to a gut yeah. feeling guy. Like, it's in my gut feeling I can see that. Bro, if Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl with the Browns. Oh, it, that, it took his trajectory from Hall of Great to actually the Hall of Fame, like, in the snap of a finger. Bro. Amari Cooper, 11 receptions, 265 yards, two touchdowns, broke the single game receiving record for the Browns. Like I'm, I'm, I was sitting there seriously thinking if Flacco wins them two playoff games, how do you go back to Deshaun Watson? How do you do that? (laughs) That's that's what I think every Browns fan would agree on is that 
you're saying to yourself, like, man, the one time we committed to the fucking QB, like, everything else was sad. Like, what is this shit? But, hey, you know what? It's the NFL, and it's not built evenly. Back to our original point. You got hey, you guys still got a shot this year. Like, just look at it in terms of, like, if we can go win four in a row, and with, with this roster, I, I can see it. It sounds ridiculous. Think, but I think about what it. they could have done giving Joe Flacco 10 fucking mil a year and just use the rest of the money to build. The, the roster is already <laughs> impeccable. The narratives get so crazy with the Browns. But then again, I'd say like if, but then it's like if, if Deshaun can just come back next year and really like show you what he was showing you midway through the year, then you'll feel fine. Yeah. But it was the volatility with Deshaun. If you just, just cut out the volatility, we're fine. Because he's shown you we can still have good games. It just wasn't consistent this year. But if we, if we can see consistent Deshaun, then it won't be that bad. Because Deshaun does give you another element that Joe never will be able to give you. But like what Joe's doing right now, you're saying to yourself, if you're a Browns fan for sure, like, man, oh, man. Even if, no matter what happens, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered this offseason. Well, their kicker was hurt, too. So they're just going for two all the time with DTR, which I think is a great use of DTR and yeah, his skills. Get DTR out. The, keep getting DTR Bro, reps. Keep getting his confidence up. The Every team needs to have. What the Browns are doing with DTR is what every team should be doing with their backup quarterback. Wait, you're telling me that if you give teams more guys the game plan against, it limits their, their time they can practice each thing in practice? <gasps> well, oh my. That's the thing is like this game was 36 to 22. You're telling me they have limited practice time every week? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, first of all, the, the Texans were get it? rotating quarterbacks. Case Keenum had 17 attempts. Mills had 32. What the? the what? But I, I, D'Amico, I'm for a 9 out of 10 decisions you make. <sighs> this game was 36-22, but really, those it was like 36 to like 7 or like 10. It, it, the, this it was, was garbage one, The time. score was fake. Yeah, this is yeah. just like the Saints game. Score is fake in this game. So, I mean, te- uh, Browns, I feel like they could be for real. Their defense miles Garrett four weeks in a row without a stack, but he's still creating a ridiculous amount of pressure. And then, so if he can get that going again in the playoffs, this is that perfect time. We always talk about perfect time this time of the year. Perfect time to go on a little sack slump, but it's not even because he's going on a sack slump. It's because he's pretty consistently double teamed, even triple teamed every, yeah. every single snap. So it's like, I, I get it. JOK back to back weeks with a pick. Texans playoff hopes. Dwindling 33.3% chance as of Monday night. As we call that a one in three. One in three. CJ Stroud is really making his presence known of what he does for this team. And it's just, it, to me, that this really sucks that, that of all the times where CJ had to go on this two week concussion, like, and don't get me wrong, concussion is super serious. And I don't think not enough people take it as serious as it should be, like, especially fans. Like, rest him as long as he needs to be rested. Let me be clear. I'm not one of these jackasses like, why is not? But, but also, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. Right. And if you're a Texas fan, this one stings because this was like, the trajectory two weeks ago was like foolproof for the playoffs, almost, with how things were looking. And now it's like, man, he really had to get the concussion at this time. Yeah. I mean, the Texans have two very, uh, I don't want to say very winnable games coming up. But um, they play the Titans and the Colts. So they should be able to win versus the Titans. It'll be tough. But they also will have a tough matchup in the Colts if they want a chance to make the playoffs. Um, just kind of last note, Derek Stingley, five interceptions in the past six weeks. This is, I'm so glad because this is what we knew he should be. Like, this was him out of the draft. Took a while to get the footing back. Took a while, literally, off those injured legs to get, you know what I mean, to get everything going. Reality now? Derek Stingley's an elite corner, and he will keep turning more elite. 
Let's go to Jacksonville at Tampa Bay. We're going down to Florida. Do you think Baker is the QB of the future for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? At least next year, like immediate future, he's definitely at least bridge guy. There's not a doubt about it. What he's doing down there this year, I don't. I won't use the word special, but it's very impressive. Like to see Baker be able to continue continuously redeem himself. It's more than anything speaks to his his work ethic. I mean, Baker's res- is a very Resilient. respectable guy. He, very respectable guy at this point. He always was. I feel like he's but, playing for like four million dollars this year. Right, and it's like I think what we've seen. I have to give a quick shout out to the man. Just the man's life over the past what seven eight years. Like I think the maturity and growth we've seen from Baker has been very admirable. I do have to give a shout out to that where it's due. You know, we saw a guy go run it run from the cops in college to to and get arrested to turn into uh, more much more humble much more team first. And, we've, and you've seen that change year to year. It, it was kind of a slow ch- transition to what he's become now. But I feel like he's become much more of a leader. And this this year is showing it most. We thought the Bucs were bare bones. You know, and not that they didn't still have talent. They st- we, they still have leftovers. I'll say they have like good Super Bowl <laughs> leftovers. Leftovers, yeah. But Super Bowl leftovers don't win you Super Bowls. No. But it's like when you're looking at what they have and, and what they're doing right now, I mean, there's no doubt about it. We're very impressed. And I think that they are overshooting what we thought they were able to do. And I th- and think, again, back to the main thing, it's like you point to what is, what's doing it. Baker's the main reason. I mean, look at Mike Evans. Look what he's doing with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin now. And look who Mike Evans was just playing with. And that's not that Tom, Tom's inevitably better at spreading it out just because that's Tom. And it was different with the Bruce Reigns offense. But when, when you got Baker doing what Tom was doing with Mike, it's like you got to say to yourself, look, man, bottom line, Baker knows how to treat his number one. And his connection with him, looking like it could become a special connection if they keep this going. And that's the thing is like, I would much rather play the Seahawks in the playoffs than the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers are so much more volatile. And the Bucs defense, you know, and that's the thing is where we said the Seahawks defense has been playing really good, but I don't strictly like personnel to personnel basis. The Bucs have guys that like they have guys, guys that can really, really game wreck. Yeah. yeah Whereas the Seahawks, you kind of just. Yes, we got to give a shout out to Yaya. He's the numbers this year are nothing insane yet. I think he's one of those guys where he could be elite in the next couple of years. Yaya's got that speed off the edge, that finesse. It's just a matter of keep getting that body in that, keep growing more into NFL shape. Yaya Diaby shouts out. Antoine Winfield as well. I, I think, I, I think like, he's kind of, he's propelled almost above Jesse Bates now, where like they've both been having, and I haven't been giving him the love he needed. Like, I've been shouting Jesse out all year, and I haven't been giving Antoine any love. They've been neck and neck, but Antoine is just locking shit down. Like, you, you don't even throw Antoine's way this year. I, mean, I think until the last two weeks, everyone was kind of counting out the Bucks to be like this 500 team. And that's what there are, though. It's what the record shows, but they're getting hot at the right time where it's like, just like the Rams, I don't want to play them. Not, at, not in the slightest. A team that I would, a lot of teams would probably love to play, though, is the Jaguars. Yeah, so this is where it's time to, you know, let's have our discussion. Because obviously our, our worst nerd of all year was the Jaguars. It wasn't we, bad we, until they fell apart. Yeah, well, it was. It was it was looking good. It was, the first, it was the best narrative ever for the first half of the season. What is wrong with, how about this? I got a good question. Why can't the Jaguars play more than half a season? Because last year it was the second half. This year it's the first half. They can't. What is that? I, I, what is that? It's so hard because it's like they're just so inconsistent in like so many different areas that it's like you can't even pinpoint like a number one problem with the Jags. That the Jaguars are like that meme where the kid is like, "What is that? What, like, what is that? You're like, like, what is that? Like, literally, I literally don't know. Trevor Lawrence has been abysmal. 
That's the problem. So back to the what is that? What is Trevor? Like one week you look elite, one week you look like a backup. What is that? Like what? Like the whole team. I think the only person who's been somewhat consistent over the last three or four weeks has been Trayvon Walker. Finally, showing like, I feel like he's showing you what you drafted him for. But then out of nowhere, the rest of the team's falling apart. I, I mean, like, you are seriously at a chance of losing your division. Like, in a year <laughs> where everyone thought that you guys could just literally play average and win. They could have played below average. That's, and that's, that's what they're not. They're, they're playing far below average. Like, they're playing like one of the worst teams in the league. And that's where it makes no sense. Because you go, wait a minute. We got Dougie P. We got T-Law. I got Calvin Ridley. I got ETN. I got a good O-line. I have plenty of young, good defenders that were firing on all cylinders coming into this year. What happened? Why has Tyson Campbell not made the jump? Darius Williams has made more of a jump than Tyson Campbell. That, I always own my takes. Tyson Campbell's not made of the jump that I thought he was going to make it all this year. He's definitely still a solid corner, but some of the guys you thought were really going to make the leaps, not making the leaps. It's just, uh, and then the D-line, like Josh Allen, if Josh Allen doesn't have a perfect week, it feels like the Jags don't get enough pressure. And back to thing, and Trayvon's again. Trayvon's getting better and better each week. But that's another thing. The Jaguars' D line as a whole, the unit just doesn't really create much fear. And so this is kind of like maybe just the all result of what you get. The offense is not producing. Pass rush is just non-existent. It's just this is a team that in the playoffs I would just see them as a one and done. Like they would to me be a waste of a playoff spot. As of right now, oh, they're 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 in that same unmotivated territory as like the Saints. They're just it's just unmotivated. Like it's like watching uh oh, I don't, who do I say to that was fitting into the unmotivated territory? The Bills, on, on a lot of weeks. Does do you think this has anything to do with Doug Peterson? That's where it gets weird. Like I don't know. I that's I was just I was literally just thinking about this uh, yesterday because I was like, when the Eagles let go of Dougie P, you know, it's like what the fuck? like, and it's still even to an extent it kind of you know, but then you see how it worked out with Seattle. But it's like they did for a reason. All I'm gonna say is like, just, it was kind of weird when they let him go. Are we seeing the reasons? That's what I was going thinking. on with the Jaguars. I don't like. It, we're gonna have to pay attention because it's not just this year is gonna tell the story. But let's say that they really can't recoup when this is another thing of the next same of another thing of the same next year. Um, I I can't, I can't defend you anymore, Dougie. Even though I'd love to, <laughs> you know, I I know I always give Dougie P to love, but. He's getting into fraudulent territory. I, I can't give him love right now because right now it has been a he's been a show of himself, and that Jaguars team's been a show of themselves. Probably one of the biggest games in terms of draft position. We have the Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago Bears. Did Justin Fields help or hurt his position as the Bears starter with this game? I'll just tell you what I've been seeing myself. I, I won't even give my personal opinion. I say what I've been seeing from Bears fans is that apparently, according to a lot of Bears fans, he did. But you know me helped. He, he helped. Has, and I'll say for me personally, and like you said, I'm gonna give you the floor on this one. It doesn't change what we already knew about Justin. Yeah, I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast with Adam Hogue and uh, Adam Johns, obviously. But Adam Hogue said basically. Um, or Adam Johns, I believe. I don't know. One of them. One of what the Adams. They're one of them getting a shout out. Yeah, one of the Adams. Anyway, Actually, they both got a shout out. He basically said it. is like, Poles has said he wants to see consistency from Justin Fields. Okay. And fans are like, we need to see him be more consistent. But he is consistent. He is consistent in what he's doing now. He's going to throw for anywhere from 150 to 220 yards. He's going to run from anywhere from 40 to 100 yards. And he's going to do that every game. He's that Washington game outlier every quarterback has outliers 
He is consistent in who he is. And that commander's defense, we won't even talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's no, that's you're, you're you're spot on. And that's why I mean, like we've been saying, I know you agree completely, as someone who's on a on on picked a side of this argument, the discourse is I like we'll say before we start recording, it's turned in to like a moral victory discourse. Like, but but what about what about what about winning? Yeah. What about winning a Super Bowl? Like, call me fucking crazy. That's the only thing you guys should be worried about. And Bears fans are worried about X, X, and X. Guys, it's about winning the Super Bowl. That's, this shit doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the year in 2018. You guys had a great defense. It doesn't matter if you have another great defense and you don't win. All this shit, like these, like the moral victories, I feel like Bears fans always try to, like, but this is, guys, you're trying to win the Super Bowl. If you don't believe Justin's going to be told to take you to the Super Bowl in the next four or five years, there's no point in, in any this discussion going any further. And I know there are plenty of Bears fans who would say to me, well, I do believe that. Me personally, again, like to the point of with especially with how things are built now, I think you have a much better shot around the rookie contract and the new coaches. I agree. And my thing is like a lot of people like when we got Nagy was the argument. It's a passing league. We have to win now. But suddenly when we have Justin Fields, that the legs are enough and his passing doesn't need to be like my thing is I believe that you can win with a quarterback like a Lamar. The difference with Lamar is Lamar you can tell goes through his reads and always really scrambles when he needs to like fields will have an open guy that he doesn't see as open and will run. And like, don't get me wrong. Fields is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he is. He is definitely one of the best 32, probably 20. No, I would but for if sure you say look that at all his stats passing. He's in the 20s. He's just not better than that right now. And back to the point about Lamar thing, because that's the thing. Bears fans want to put a gun to you and have you say that he's Lamar. But here's the reality. Here's the reality, gang. With Like we said, when, when Lamar is scrambling, and this is what I witnessed, especially on tape, it's not. It's a very calculated, like, hold on a minute. Like you said, I have to break the pocket. But not only that, I'm going to be looking for a way that once I break this pocket, that safety, he's going to follow me. And then... When that safety follows me, I got a window. I because I got a quick release. I'm not like Justin where I hitch and I have to. I get it out real quick, and then before you know it, he opened up a 40 yard gain. With Justin, it's like when Justin's going to scramble, he's going to scramble. Not anything wrong with that, but Justin, it's very rare is he going to reset and he's going to fire into a tight window that he opened up because it's just they just don't play the same. Lamar no. runs to open up tight windows, and if the tight window doesn't open up, he's running for 20 or 30. Justin is going to consistently try to run for 20 or 30, but if you don't add in that other element. I don't believe it's the game-breaking element that you need. I don't think so. I think this game, actually, I think the more games Justin plays like this, even if they win, only hurts his position. Because it's like, you know, going up against like a good team. Like, let's guys, let's be serious. This is the second worst team in football record-wise. They are. Like, they are the number two pick in the draft right now. Like, we should not be celebrating over an eight-point victory that we let them back into. Like we scored six points in the in the second half. That's two field goals. Enough of the Bears. Th- enough of the Justin talk. Cole Komet, you wrote down, living up to his contract extension. He's gonna have a new guy throwing him the ball next year. First hundred yard game of his career, which is crazy because I was doing the game logs and I was like, "There's no way he, Cole hasn't hit this at least once." I thought for sure he. I at least once could have swore he did too, but maybe I'm wrong. But I was going through and yeah, no, he got close plenty of times, but yeah, no, it was like never, at least if, as long as, as long as a uh, pro football reference is correct, he was only up to okay, like 80, okay. some 85, 86, like was like the closest Um, going over to uh, the Cardinals. Um, 
I wasn't very impressed with anything. Yeah, they they're slipping very quickly into like it's like uh, I thought. I don't think you'll agree with this as much. It's like very much like what well, also there was felt a lot like of they re- weren't trying to win. Wait, repeat that one more time. Like I didn't feel like they were trying to lose, but I also didn't get the sense that they were trying to win. Like what's the thing? It's we're like I said before. I really will have no evaluation of this team until I see them with a full year of Kyler healthy. Because this year, it really has just been what this year has been. I'll admit, I was more impressed with Gannon, I feel like, earlier on yes. than now. Because now you're starting to see the defense's numbers across the whole season. You're like, ah, like, if you're that guy, you should be able to get those numbers. I think every, oh, a, a lot bit. of these should be above, like, 20th. And you're, like, below 28th in a lot of them. So it's like, and again, I know you're working with nothing. But if you're that guy, that guy, like, uh, we can use D'Amico, for example, with what he's doing with that offense even though he's not supposed to be the offensive guy, you get what I'm saying. You get you bring the right guys in the culture, right? Coordinators, even though it's not, you get my point. Right. No matter who it is coming into making the adjustment, the guys that'll make the adjustment, make the adjustment. Whereas with Gannon, I feel like uh, the scales are tipping. We're like, maybe if, if next year doesn't go well either. I mean, I, the Cardinals are already looking at a whole new, whole fresh situation. And uh, it's, yeah, the Cardinals are also kind of in like, I don't want to say Bleakville because you have Kyler. But it's like that's why I think only, you have to trade down from the number two pick to make your team any bit competitive. Yeah, you got to give this thing. You got to give Kyler more because you already have the guy. But we need more than just McBride, and that was my main thing. It's like I think the reality you could agree on. Everyone needs to. Everybody, Cardinals would say is like the bottom line is they need more weapons. Like yeah. Kyler is weaponless minus McBride. He really is. I mean, Marquise Brown is not coming back. I don't see them extending him at all. I think that was one of the worst trades in the uh, Cardinals <laughs> Cardinals history, probably. Jalen Thompson had a pick. Jalen Thompson, yeah, yeah, three interceptions over the past five weeks. Talk about a bright spot in that Gannon defense. This game is just kind of gross. Let's see, let's see teams. That this was uh, this was gross. All right, so we let's get away from that then because I don't think many people want to listen to that. That game just was stinky. Um, yeah, so let's move to Dallas at Miami. Does this game? Here's my thing. I think this game really didn't tell us much about these two teams other than that they are actually contenders. So my thing is like, my question to you is, do you think we learned anything from this game? No. And that's, I think that was the best thing about this game though. And that's, if you're, if you were either of these teams, I think that's how you wanted it to be because it was already really, really good for you going into it where I think all you wanted to learn was that there was nothing to learn, that you were a good team. You were an elite team and you can compete with another elite team. No matter who won or lost this, again, if you face each other in the Super Bowl, let's, I'm, that's not likely, but this could be a super matchup. Right. If you face each other again in the Super Bowl, it, it didn't matter worth a damn who won this game, right? No. You got to show up again and do it again. So it's like what you learned is it's just these two teams can compete. And that's all you wanted to know if you were. Obviously, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're disappointed and you lost, you know, you lost heating. But realistically, at this point, I don't think the Cowboys were like actually going to take the one seed. So it's like, when I'm, I'm not one for moral victories at all. But if you're ever going to claim one moral victory all season as an NFL fan, it would be this game is either a Finns fan or a Cowboys fan. Because at least you know what you have. And it, and it didn't, like, alter that reality in your head. CeeDee Lamb stayed hot as usual. Dak played decent. The, the Cowboys, I, in my opinion, are giving me the most confidence I've ever had with them when it comes to getting late in the year. Oh, no, especially with, and that's the next note I wanted to make. I think that knowing, everyone in the building knows too, and he knows, that if they don't make a deep playoff run this year with Mike, 
Like this, we could literally be witnessing the last three or four games, three potentially, in the Mike McCarthy era in Dallas. Yeah, I I don't know. I see. I I heard that, but I like don't want to buy it because it's like he's only been that. What this is only his second year. But I feel like and this thing, I, I, I second agree, or third year. But if you're Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones is getting to the point where he's like, how many more years I got in this bitch? Yeah, he's like, if you're Jerry. It, it's all about it's, it's Jerry world above all at this point where it's like, man, I don't care if if I leave him here for six years and he can do it, but I'm on the year for I'm not, I'm not trying to put a timeline. In Jerry. No, I know Hopefully saying. Jerry's got a long, long time ahead. But you get what I'm saying. Like if, if you're in if you're in Jerry's head, he's saying himself, man, I don't know how much longer I got ever. Let's I, you know, I want to see results now, especially when you first came in. You got your three Lombardies. You're like, wait a minute, man. Now I'm like three decades later and I ain't figured out again. Fuck that. I need to get it figured out now. Well, let me ask you this. Are you have you been impressed with the defense as you were earlier in the year? No, no. And unfortunately, I think this has kind of been. I don't want to say like a Dan Quinn M.O. recently, but like it's kind of been maybe like a more like it's no matter how you label. It's not good with Dan Quinn defenses. A lot of the times I feel like they've they will like start very hot and then maybe like dwindle off. Kind of cool like, off kind of, yeah. And that's obviously not the Seahawks tenure included. That was different with Legion of Boom. But ever since leaving there, I feel like that's kind of been what it's been. Right? I mean, like it, it, they kind of slowly kind of wean off ever so slowly, like week to week towards the end of the year. Hopefully they can get hot by the end of the year. I think that'll be really crucial into separating themselves from like a regular playoff team and a team that could potentially win it all. Well, because that's the thing is, and there's no doubt Dan Quinn is that guy and he can really, and he can, he'll make the defense work. It's just like, Dan's just got to get him regrouped. More than anything, get the, get the boys regrouped, make them realize in reality, all we got to do is go win three or four in a row. And it's going to be four, four in a row, but we can go be world champions. And the Cowboys have a roster to do that. They do. Dolphins also have a roster to do it. Tyreek Hill. Looking like he's not about to hit 2,000 yards. We won't be able to rejoice over the 2K. Very Unless he goes to like 300. 350. In one, of these, in one of these next couple weeks. I mean, yeah. Unfortunate. But uh, yeah, the Dolphins come out on top. I mean, basically what I mean, I think they have secured the. Yeah, I think they clinched a playoff spot. Um, they did. They did. And I want to say. Nick Vape in the playoffs. Nick Vape. Nick Vape in the yards. Let's fucking go. As long as they win one more game, they should clinch the AFC East. Um, Jalen Waddle had a very slow game. Uh, only un- wait, you said one catch, this correct? Was, and this was the only game this year he was held to under three catches. Okay, so basically the Cowboys' defense still did enough to keep the offense in it, um, which is, I guess, you could say either the Cowboys offense was having problems or the Dolphins defense is really coming into its own Van Ginkle. I say Van. And I think this is the main thing we had to talk about with the Dolphins. Like all, all I said all year and you know, you agree, like what were they missing? They were missing those pass rushers. Like, and Hey, and Van Ginkle has been playing all good, good all year, but with Bradley Chubb, it was kind of like the injuries now. And now that they're playing off the edge together in, in a tangent and they, if they, if they both can stay out there, the so this whole playoff run, if they can stay healthy, let me be clear. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying that there's nothing that could stop them if they can fire on all cylinders. Dolphins, Ravens, AFC championship would be electric. So electric. Please let it happen. Well, neither of these game, neither of these teams are going to be playing in the AFC championship or any championship 
Uh, but besides like the tank bowl for one of them, we have New England at Denver. Should Broncos fans be excited for the future? I think like, yes, but it's like another thing I want to talk about where Broncos are also like in in interesting territory. Like there it's I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Broncos are in some amazing situation either. Like realistically, I think this was supposed to be a year, as we said, like the Broncos were supposed to make the playoffs. And then like you started the year so poorly and then you got like everyone all excited. They're like a roller coaster season. And then, oh, it's up. It's up. We know the Sean Payton. And then out of nowhere again, it was just like, wait, what the, what the fuck? And then it's like, you're going up. But then it's like, oh, wait, and then we're back. Oh, no. And so it's like, like, they're still a talented roster. But I feel like, again, we're getting into territory of like, you're going to have to start paying guys soon. More talented guys. And namely, in this case, certain. And you got positions you're going to have to start replacing. Guys getting older on that defense. And then with Russ, go back to my thing of windows. I mean, Russ is getting, Russ is only getting older. Like, it, I don't really, like, I'm not saying he's done anytime soon, but, and I know he redeemed himself this year, but he's only getting older. I just, I feel like there's, all I'm really trying to say is there are definitely more questions surrounding the Broncos than answers. I think you should be excited because of what you were able to turn around midseason. I mean, they had dug themselves a pretty, big hole at one and five to be almost, you know, to be like 500 at this point or one game under 500 is impressive. And with Sean Payton at the helm, I think you can at least have confidence that you built on what you had last year. Um, But it's kind of frustrating because it's like, it felt like this was a team that could go into the playoffs and maybe beat round one, just being a Sean Payton coach team. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, Corlin Sutton, no catches. Maybe they just kind of hit their wall this year. That's well. That I think that's the best way to put it, though. Is realistically, if you can start next season, how you finish most of the second half of this, you'll be like to your point. They'll be just fine. Yeah, it's not even next year's anything. Guy have to worry. Next year's not that you have to worry about paying guys and stuff. It'll be the year after that. But regardless, it's just there are going to be some questions this off season. Some who who's who's in who's out. And what's the next step? Because no matter what, I think all Broncos fans would agree, this is not the roster that's taking you to Lombardi land. There's no going to be a what. lot of questions for the Patriots, though, and especially what they're going to do at quarterback. Bailey Zappi, what the fuck? Like, half the time, like, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, the fact that he led that game-winning drive was crazy. He, I think Bailey Zappi is a guy, perfect example of a guy. He, he has, like, plenty of good intangible stuff. He's not the guy. But he can be the guy on a given day. You He's know what like I mean? A less like, good Taylor Heineke. I, per, it's like a per, perfect, like that. It's like the perfect comp. Like it's like he's not he's not the guy, but he can be that guy on a certain day. The thing about the Patriots, though, is like I honestly feel like if they brought a rookie quarterback into this, it's gonna be like Mac Jones all over again. That well, that's the thing too. Like Bill O'Brien, the whole like whatever, whatever, whatever the fuck happened this year. It needs to be scrapped. Back to the Belichick taking away the GM rights thing. My narrative. Like, hey, man, you do everything else great, but the decisions, no, the decisions are not yours to be made around that anymore. I'm going to give myself, I'm giving myself an analytics team, shit like that. We're, we're going, we're going the way that other teams have been doing it because it, clearly it's work. It works. But Bill, I still need you calling the defense. And I still need you to be developing these guys, right? Like that's, that's how I view it. And it's just, uh, yeah, if you're the Patriots, there's not really much to hang your hat on this year. Minus, see my, my two guys, you really got to hang your hat on. Demario Douglas, fifth game this season, five plus catches. It's not, I know, 
that's not like some amazing stat. But for but the Patriots, it's better than whatever they have. For the Patriots offense and the fact he was un, exactly undrafted. You, you that's exciting. That's exciting. And then also much more exciting, in my opinion, is Christian Barmore is turning elite. I mean, he's been wrecking games these past few weeks. And not just the numbers, but the numbers themselves, too, are insane. Four and a half sacks over the last three weeks. Christian Barmore is turning elite on the interior, and there's no two ways about it. Second round pick in 2021. Yeah, the Patriots are just in a very, very awkward spot. Let's go to Christmas. We have Las Vegas at Kansas City. Is Antonio Pierce the head coach of the future for the Raiders? I feel like he has to be. Like I said, if 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 they fumble this one, because I even said with Basaccia, obviously we can you can say how the fuck that was going to go now. We could we can argue I could argue with someone forever about how that would have gone now. But at the time, it felt right, right? And they dropped that bag, and so we saw we saw what happened next. Man, oh man, did we see what happened with the Josh McDaniels experiment? So all I'm going to say is. If uh, Mark Davis has not learned from his previous mistakes and he wants to go be hard-headed again, he deserves everything he has coming. I honestly feel like this is one of those things where it's like it happened last time. Even if I'm wrong this time, I can't not attempt it. If Seeing how the fan base and the team is responding to him, if you tell him to leave the building, I, I truly believe you're clueless. Because again, not even that he might not be the guy long-term, but he is definitely at least the guy right now. And I have no, I have no doubt about that. I, I really, and it's more anything like, and it's, that sounds a little contradictory, but I think to, to your point, like it's, I can't, my, what I'm really trying to say is I'm not certain he's like, he's that guy for sure, but you cannot swing and miss if he is like, you have got to at least give him, uh, give him a shot. No. And also I think it's like the players are playing so hard where it's like, okay, do we bring Josh Jacobs back next year? You know, we can bring Jaden Daniels into a type of offense and environment like this and not have to worry about it. The only reason I say Jaden Daniels, they're in QB three range. And he mentioned Antonio Pierce in one of his speeches. So I think the Raiders get a quarterback, keep Antonio Pierce and really stack up on the O line. And I was going to say Aiden O'Connell as a backup. That's a great, that is a great situation to be in because that was my other note is it's like, AOC has showed who he is, right? Like, it, and he could he develop into something more for sure. I, it's, I'm not trying to like limit him, but as of right now, he's not a starter in the league. No, he is a very good backup. As again, as of right now, just his first year, he can develop into more. But right now, that's just where it stands. You got to get yourself a starter if you're the Raiders. Jack Jones, pick six, back to back weeks. And was, was this the first corner that the Patriots have released in fucking forever where it actually ends up being the opposite? Are the I, Patriots are the one releasing the he good He just corner? had so many like off-field issues and like Antonio Pierce taught him in high school or co- uh, coached him in high school. See, I did not know yeah, this. Yeah, coached him in high school and then I believe in college too. Very cool. Yeah. It's a so, great little tidbit then. I think that is what the reason he's snapping. Uh, Max Crosby, no sacks either. And we got to talk. That's what I want to say though about that because I, I, I couldn't skip over this one just because it's so random. See, Malcolm Kuhn's past two weeks. Five sacks over the past two weeks. So even though Max is out here getting doubled every snap, Max has turned so elite that it's opening up opportunities for everyone else. And if you're the Raiders, that is the best sight to see because it wasn't like that for the longest time. Kind of was like Max is the only guy that can eat, but he's not eating enough to where he's going to get doubled every snap and it just doesn't work. But now Max is so dominant, you you can't sleep on him for even a snap and it's just opening up everything for everyone else. You'd hope Tyree Wilson would take a little bit more of a step, but as long as the defense is progressing i guess that's all you can ask for absolutely 
A team that seems like they're regressing is the Chiefs, though. I, I just... I... In all the years, I've never seen, like, Kelsey and Mahomes frustrated like this. No, it's... That's that's where... Well, the number one question needs to be asked. It's like, uh, literally, what is wrong with this team? Matt Nagy's calling the plays. But, that, like I said, that's what makes no sense. Because then you go back to... He was still calling him last year. So it's like Nagy already won a Super Bowl Wait, with the offensive was coordinator. Was it the enemy calling it? We know that, but Nagy was in the building. That's right. Nagy was the quarterback coach. And once the enemy left to Washington. See, that's why, for whatever reason, see, no, for whatever reason, in my head, I've been mistaken that, that Nagy was the one calling him last year. I believe it was the No, but whole time. Oh, man. See, that's, that, you can't even make this, you, you can't make this stuff up. You really can't make this. I up. don't know. But it's that's the, the thing is like because nobody, I can't believe I'm so I'm stupid for not realizing this. I should have I should have had recognized that brain cramp earlier in my in the timeline here. I don't think anyone really knows who's actually calling the plays for the Chiefs, but that would be the biggest change in my opinion to the offense. I feel like no matter what though, you still Andy's greenlighting everything. Oh so it's yeah. Like no matter what, it, I'm never gonna put it just on Nagy. It's just because that would just be like it, it, I'm sure it's a big thing of it, but I think no matter what, I still I still think Andy's pulling more of the rope, like I, where he's calling okay. more shots. So it's like it's just I, I think so. Let's just get into let's get into the stats. It's like what's wrong? I don't know. But how about this? Patrick Mahomes only four games this year over 300 yards, and if any other QB that would not be an issue, but this is Mahomes. That's not normal for him. That's how you know it's the coaching, right? And, and the, receivers. And then this to tangent with it. Seven games under 250 passing yards this year. Now, that's a huge issue. That's if you're brutal. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. It, Not that, again, the, the receiving core, everything's bare bones, but. No, it's bad. I, I think this offseason is the one where they're really going to invest in receiver. Um, yeah, man, the, the Chiefs defense is still playing really, really good, but it's like very little run game. I think that might be the biggest thing on offense recently, though, too, is these past few years, the Chiefs, they can they marry that run game to the pass game so effectively. And now you don't even have to try to stop the run. And then it's like we can just sell out on Mahomes. I mean, losing to a division rival like this and in a playoff run for seeding, just not a good look. I mean, the Raiders are making it known who they are. But I mean, also, I think what is happening in Mahomes now will paint a broader picture for the whole NFL. It's like even the best cannot get it done with good coaching and good weapons around them. It, it is insane. Like this this year's Chiefs, like they said, what's that meme where they say it has to be studied in a lab for years to come? Like, yeah, yeah. Like the 2023-2044 Chiefs, get this team in a lab. Well, we need them studied. De- especially depending on what they do in the playoffs. Because like, what what really can they do? I, I don't know. I don't know what this team is going to look I like in the playoffs. See, I'm never counting them out. I still could see them winning the Super Bowl because I know their 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 makeup. But like we've been, like we would agree on, it's never felt farther away than this year, by far. Moving into the middle of the day on Christmas after you've already eaten once before dinner, um, I don't know. That was a horrible transition. <laughs> what is this a game that the Eagles should be proud of? Fuck no, and every Eagles fan would agree. I don't I don't think I've heard a game over the last uh, five years. I'll say. I, I think I think it's some before that where the Eagles played so poorly in a game, got booed the almost the whole game, but still pulled it out. Like it speaks to how the fan base feels about them right now. We know those Philly fans. And I'll say to my family, though, side note, in my opinion, you should call me crazy on this. 
But this is the type of thing a fan base has to do to actually get results from a team. It might sound crazy, but like if you have a lot of faith in a team and they're not showing up to what you know they can be, you got to let them know. Like, I think a lot of, I watch a lot of teams and they'll just, fan bases, they just let their team suck for decades. And it's like, well, no wonder shit's not changing. Like, you're the Eagles. You're not even playing good for one week. They are going to let you know. And I know everyone has a lot of things to say about the Eagles fans. I've been included in that. I'm going to give them credit where it's due for as far as that, man, look, they're not going to sit here and tolerate mediocrity when they know what they could be getting out of their team. And I have to have to respect that. I mean, they that. just went to the Super Bowl. That's, and, they know what their team can be. Which, yeah, so when you're seeing this product on the field, it, it it back to the makes no sense thing. The Chiefs and the uh, and the Eagles shaking hands after being Super Bowl together last year they decided to make no sense now. I mean, I would take the Rams over the Eagles if they played week one in the playoffs right now. No. The way I, they're playing. As of right now, I, I agree with you completely, which is why it makes no sense, especially the way that the Rams are running the ball. Luckily, the Eagles can still lock up the division. Um, they are playing the Cardinals and the Giants again for their last two games. So if they can use that kind of as momentum to propel themselves into getting hot, they might have a better chance at making another Super Bowl run. But right now it is looking kind of rough. I think, no, that's, that's the main thing is that if if you're the Eagles and you're, and you know, you're, you're getting the game plan together, you're saying to yourself, look, Sirianni and the boys are like, man, if we need to kick this, the, both these teams' ass the next two weeks because it's more of a mental thing. Like, you need to get your guys believe in that same belief they had earlier on in the year. Like, man, we just can run through anybody because you can see the belief wavering in this team week to week to the, truly at this point where it's kind of like, I think it kind of almost started happening after that first loss and that players-only meeting happened where it seemed like it was only going to go up from there. In a weird way, though, it's like they don't have as much faith in each other as they did last year. There's like no. this quiet thing where I don't know who started it, but they don't feel as just, and everyone agrees, connected. Eagles fans, connect, they just don't seem, they don't look as connected. They don't feel as connected. And I know when everyone talks up behind the scenes, it's been, you guys don't know what we are as a team. We're, we're more connected than ever. There's like, something, I'm though, just man. saying what I'm seeing. I'm just using my eyeballs, right? Like my, my eyes are lying. And if everyone else's eyes are lying, then forgive us. But as of right now, everyone agree about the Eagles that's watching them. Well, then they you got Jalen Hurts. There's questions about him right now. He, he looks injured some games. He looks late. He's laboring sometimes, snap to snap. And it definitely doesn't look like it did last year. No, no. Keely Ringo, first career pick. Christmas present for him and his family. Couldn't have come at a better time, seriously. Christmas end to end the losing streak, secure the dub. I mean, like, that could, I don't, you he really should have got the game ball. Unless it was the Super Bowl, I was going to say. I don't really think you could think of a better, like, that. that the only guy who's the more time, time ready interception is anything in the playoffs. If it, but minus playoffs, this has to be the best time. I mean, Tommy DeVito must have got coal in his stocking because. Maybe the end of Tommy Cutlets. It says, as that was the notice. It's like you, you, everyone has got to love this story, but does this kind of feel like maybe Brian Dable's pulling the plug on this little, just ex- like the Josh Dobbs shit, like just a little bit, like Dable's like, all right, wait a minute, I might, everything's on the line, I can't be banking on my undrafted guy. It just so let's get to this question because this game is what it is. Dable has not beaten the Cowboys or Eagles. As Giants coach, should he still be the head coach next year? Obviously, with what Dable's already done in in his tenure and he showed us, like it's hard to say that he shouldn't. But that the statistics speaks it does it speak for itself that he hasn't been able to beat the Cowboys or the Eagles. And I know that the Giants are not good at all. But I think you can see with a lot of other coaches, not even Antonio Pierce is the most recent example. You gotta be able to show you can win those games against better teams in your division. Like those are the ones you really have got to show you can win. Fact that he hasn't yet is very eye catching. I think I would say 
personally, I wouldn't be ready to tell him to F off yet after this year just because he's already shown me what he can do with a bad team. I mean, it's like I got to give him credit where to do with that. But I'm all about, you know me, I'm all about actually like continuity and continued success. It's like if you can just do it one year, but then these next two are a mess. That's one in what three. What does it matter? That's, yeah, what does it matter? You're, you're one in three. You're batting. I guess if you were playing baseball, it'd be fine. But if we're not playing baseball and one out of three winning seasons is not going to be enough. I think it's going to, it very much hinges on next year. Okay. Moving into our final game of the night, we had a thriller with, well, a thriller for one team. The other team is probably pretty disappointed. We have Baltimore at San Francisco. Should the 49ers be concerned? Because when Brock Purdy has a bad game, he has like a really bad game. Yeah, I think it's uh, here's my thing. I don't even think the word worried would be like the word I'd use. I think I would be very, what's the word? Prepared. Like, like understand prepa- yeah, what like, it could you're, be. You're, pre- you're preparing for what it could be because you said, like, you know, if it's, if it's a bad day, oh man, like it's, it could be, it's over. Like, it's like this, this run. It's like that. That's the thing too, is then with the Niners, why you shouldn't worry, in my opinion. The Niners have also showed you they can go on a four game streak where it's just, they get fire on absolutely every Dominant. single cylinder. And again, like this game, yes, the Niners, or I mean, the, the Ravens went in there and literally, I know you saw the Florio thing this week. He, they did that. It was the opposite of what Florio said. You know, the Ravens went in there and kicked the shit out of the Niners. But again, come Super Bowl time, if this is a rematch, this game won't mean anything. It's just no. about what happens that day. And I don't think that this would happen again. Because this was one of those games where it's almost like, yes, Brock pretty did play like shit, but this was kind of a momentum-based thing, I think, where it's like, okay, a couple tips don't go his way, a couple crazy plays happen, and then before you know it, you're in your own head. It usually just doesn't go that way. And don't get wrong, I'm not trying to excuse it. Purdy played one of the worst games of any QB this whole year. But mainly what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's going to be like a trend. But to your point, if, if he has one of these in the playoffs, anything oh, even God. similar to this, there's no doubt that it's over. He's like a snowball kind of quarterback. It and just then, snowballs. And then you only got one more year, so you got to pay him. So making it difficult. You, really, if you're the Niners, as we've known, we've said, you've got to do it either this year or next year. And I will stand on that because Niners fans have been convinced that Brock is, like we say, you know, he's the second coming of whatever, whatever. But I think, and yes, he's, is he talented? And is he, I still think he's, a, you know, he's a good, great quarterback, but he showed you where he is limited. You get him limited with that, with the cap space and everything else. I think very quickly, the Niners could start looking a lot worse than they are now. Kittle and Ayuk both had 100 yards this game. But I think where the rate of the 49ers really came up short, obviously, is their defense. Yeah, no, by far the most, I'd say the, the more disappointing thing, because, yeah, I mean, it's just like it, it's because, yeah, the, we could point out to all these things about the offense where everything there was a lot of redeeming things, only two sacks on the day. Maybe the biggest thing you could point to with this defense, because not the Ravens, I think the Ravens line is obviously you know, they're more than an above average unit, but I would have thought they would have been able to get home on Lamar more than twice, honestly, and as crazy and obviously as elusive as Lamar is. This this Niners line, you got to get home more than two times against the against the Ravens. It's the reality situation. It's how you have to beat this team. You can't get home against Lamar. You're screwed. Ravens defense, four sacks and five interceptions. Five interceptions. I th- it tells you all you need to know about this defense. I mean, they are flying. And I think it it, it, it makes them the officially the Super Bowl favorite. Kyle Hamilton, crazy. You remember when I put out the video earlier in the year, my top five safeties, everyone said I was a fucking dumbass. Right? I had him at number two. <laughs> Hey, man, I hey, I sometimes I got the crystal ball, man. All right, let's go to the Ravens offense and wrap up the show. 
this game may have secured Lamar his second MVP. I think I really do think it did because this year especially, it's like there's really not an MVP. Honestly, I think that's been like a lot of people would agree on the narrative. I really can't like because even like this game, you're like, oh, Brock's definitely not it. But then if you look at every other game, like Brock was definitely it before this one. Yeah. So it's like this year is really weird. But then it's like that's where Lamar just doesn't have one of those games. Like and Lamar's impact, I think, is just bigger than stats. Lamar doesn't have like flops. Yeah, he doesn't that's- have flops and even when he does it's not the same level no. it's just that you're like we know he could have given me way more yeah something that uh i think was interesting someone pointed out is obviously like i don't think the ravens would have ever let it get there but like rich eisen was saying basically like two first for lamar is kind of like a steal now that you think about it because remember it was like it was that contract where it's like the ravens would have to match or if they didn't want to match you'd have to send them two first round picks that is crazy Think about two firsts for Lamar. Not bad. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's safe to say that almost every single team could reevaluate that whole period and be like, "Why the fuck did I take?" I don't know why everybody was out immediately on him. I gave gave Lamar fuel for what we're seeing now. Yeah. Um, Zay Flowers having a good year. Isaiah likely's been stepping up right where they need him to be. Lost me (sighs) fantasy playoffs this week. You know, I went up against him. It was him versus Wandale Robinson. So that may that, that that's a tough that's that's tough. Yeah, tough. But uh yeah, Ravens looking like Super Bowl favorites. It, it, that's insane because I never thought I was going to say it this year. I thought that I would say that they, we've been saying they can compete for one, but the favorites? I didn't think I was going to be saying that this year. Well, but man, shouts to, I got it one last thing too is. I've been on Eric DeCosta's case these past few years. You know what? Eric DeCosta, you got me. You had a plan. And I, I see the plan. I see the vision. He snapped. He snapped. Uh, Eric DaCosta, you had the crystal ball, and I sure shit did not on that one. Well, that has been your week 16 recap from You Don't Know Ball. Give us a like. Subscribe if you want. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you guys for listening, Dobbs. Yeah, we appreciate y'all as always. Thanks so much. Whether it's morning, afternoon, night, we hope you all have a great rest of your morning, afternoon, night, whatever it is. And again, yeah, if you enjoyed, we'd love to see you guys again. Thanks so much for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.